Welcome to the audio presentation of The Tales of Ortica. Years ago, I wrote a book called The Skycaller because I've always wanted to tell a story about a troll. In most stories, trolls are depicted as beasts or evil monsters, but in my story, I wanted the troll to be the hero. For once, I wanted there to be an ugly, grumpy, unsocial creature to steal the spotlight and against all odds be the one to make the difference in the world. Without further ado, I present The Tales of Vortica. Nova woke drenched in cold sweat. The weather outside her tent was wild, waking her from her sleep. Wolves howled with each clap of thunder. Even wrapped in her thick fur blankets, a cold chill swept over her body. She sat and tried to control her shivering, noticing the hunched elderly woman sitting cross-legged on the other side of the fire pit. She peered at her from beneath a hooded cloak. It was the village elder. Elder Nakone. It has been two nights since the storm began. The children are restless, and the rain becomes more frigid and less forgiving as time passes. However, I feel that this weather may be more unnatural than what we may first perceive. What do you believe is the root of this storm, wise one? The elder did not reply, but for a time sat and stared into the eyes of her apprentice, the one who would one day receive her mantle and bear the weight of village elder once she herself had made the voyage to be with the ancestors. She collected her thoughts, the years of her wisdom revealing the storm's true nature. Listen, child, listen. Dragons! The elder seemed to have aged an entire lifetime with the utterance of that one word. Yes, child. They have returned. This cannot be! How could this have happened? All we had was a hope that they would sleep forever. It seems that was not enough. Surely there is some mistake. Stories of these creatures are but myths. Children's tales! You cannot possibly believe that the tales we all heard growing up are true. Dragons are what parents use to scare their children into behaving properly. Yes, we've all heard the stories, my young apprentice. However, the tale of the Skycaller and the Dragon King is no myth. <sighs> all we can do is prepare and pray that help will come. Pale skin and dark-haired Nova rose covering herself with a cloak and helping the elder up to her feet. Both village elder and apprentice exited the small hut. Rain as cold as death sprayed against her face as she tried to shield her eyes from the onslaught. Great white wolves with intricate red markings on their fur stood among men and women with similar markings, staring up into the dark abyss. A stroke of lightning lit the scene. 
large black clouds filled the sky. Within those clouds, Nova glimpsed the silhouette of the dreadful truth she discovered only moments earlier. Dragons. I woke with a start when Grandpa drove through a pothole. Whoops, sorry, didn't see that one. Ah, Everick, you're awake. Just in time. We're almost there. My name is Everick Ashford, and I figured this is as good a place as any to begin my story, rubbing my tired eyes in the back seat of my grandpa's car. It had been hours since we left the smooth paved highways for the great Canadian back roads. Living in the city my entire life, I wasn't used to these deep forests where nothing but moose and beavers lived. The dirt roads were bumpy and uneven, making for an excruciatingly slow drive and even more impossible to sleep through. I was starting to believe we'd get lost and never find our way back out at this rate, which I found a little disturbing because that meant never getting to finish watching the full Hobbit trilogy. You getting hungry? We've still got lots of granola bars left. There's a reason for that. They're gross. It's covered in chocolate. How much longer before we get there? Oh, about another 20 minutes, more or less. Then I'll wait. I wouldn't squander this opportunity if I were you. If we've gone the wrong way, then who knows when we'll see our next packaged meal. We'll be forced to hunt rabbit and squirrels with makeshift wooden spears like when I was a kid. Actually, I'm surprised we haven't seen a moose yet. If it comes to it, we may have to use you as bait to draw one in. One of those will give us enough meat to last us for weeks. Or at least until the wolves show up. That made me feel a tad bit uncomfortable. It didn't take a wildlife expert to know that wolves are bad news. Thirteen years in Toronto, and a moose was something I've never had the opportunity to encounter. Are moose dangerous? Oh, yes. The very scourge of the forest. They'll bite the foot right off you if given the chance. That's why foresters wear protective steel-toed boots. Do you even want me to get out of this car? <laughs> I still can't get over how you kept this a secret from Dad his entire life. He thought he was an only child. Sometimes you do things in life that you're not proud of. Giving up that baby was the toughest thing your grandmother and I ever had to do. I wish she was here now. Grandma and Grandpa Ashford had another kid before having my dad. Meredith. It felt weird to suddenly have an aunt. Grandpa said they gave Meredith up for adoption once she was born. I could tell by listening to him now that it hurt still to talk about it. Even after all these years, I found it hard to imagine how anyone could give up their baby like that. Is that why she was living so far in the woods? Did she lose her marbles? I bet there are cats everywhere. The further we drove, the less likely it seemed that someone lived up ahead. Holes and bumps riddled the path. The dirt road became even rougher to drive along, if you can believe it. Did Meredith ever leave this place? I couldn't understand how a car could hold up driving through this every day. But, I have to admit, when we finally made it, I was surprised. The dirt road smoothed out into an earthy driveway that opened up onto a large grassy yard. A slight downward slope at the far end of the yard revealed a lake. The good news? The house wasn't a crusty old shack. It was big. A huge log house with a veranda. I was impressed. She greeted us once we arrived. I'm glad you made it. Welcome to Lynn Lake. We thought maybe we'd taken a wrong turn, but we made it. 
sorry for the bumpy ride. I don't get many visitors around here. There's not much coming and going, I admit. How do you survive back here all by yourself if you don't ever leave? My silverback gorilla helps me forage in the woods for food and water every day. Whoa, really? No, but that would be really cool, eh? I have someone come by once a month with groceries and anything else I might need. Now, let's all get inside so I can make some tea and some hot chocolate. You'll find three guest rooms upstairs, so you take your pick while I get things started. Are you nervous, Grandpa? A little. I never would have imagined meeting her like this. I wish your grandmother could be here with me. It's strange meeting your daughter for the first time when she's almost as elderly as you are. She sort of looks like Grandma, too. How long are we staying here for? I know it's only supposed to be the weekend, but this place is actually pretty cool. I want to swim in the lake. Come, let's go and settle in. Once we finished unpacking, we met with Meredith around the fireplace. She made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to go with my cup of hot chocolate, which was delicious. It was creamy and chocolatey, and the small marshmallows floating around inside were tasty. It's kind of you to invite us to stay here for the weekend, Meredith. Don't mention it. I couldn't have expected you to drive halfway across Canada to just stay at a hotel, especially since I live quite a piece off from the main road. Seriously, why do you live out here anyway? It's so far from everything. Don't you get bored? The reason I chose to live here was because my uncle owned the place. He left it to me when he passed away. We were close. I might have spent more time here during my childhood than I spent at home in the city. There's something about the forest that I find calming, and there are more places to explore than you can count. Maybe you'll make some discoveries during your visit that I could never find. If that's all right with your grandfather, of course. As long as you're careful and don't go too far from the house. Don't worry, I'll be careful. Maybe I'll even find a baby bear and wrestle with it. You find a baby bear and you run so hard that your feet kick you in the rear as you go. You don't want to be caught between a mother and her cub. Oh, well, maybe I can find a giant turtle and run on top of it across the lake. Or maybe you'll run into a colony of mice living in the woods who are building a rocket ship that's going to fly them to the moon. I tried to convince them that it wasn't actually made of cheese. But do mice ever really listen to people these days? See, Grandpa, nothing to worry about. I'll be just like Mowgli by the end of this weekend. After the meet and greet, I decided to take a trip down by the lake. The water was calm and still. Birds flew past, fluttering from tree to tree, zooming across the water just inches above the surface. The echo of wildlife hummed and chirped all around. It felt good to breathe in the cool, clean, crisp air. <coughs> hmm? Oh, a raven. Caw! The raven puffed up a little and ruffled its feathers. It was weird. It was like it was paying attention to me, as if waiting for an answer. Just sitting there, staring. Then, ruffling its feathers one last time, it flew beyond the trees and out of sight. Why couldn't I help but feel like something strange just happened? <coughs> the next morning, I woke to a familiar sound. The wake-up call. It was summer. No way, no how would I be getting up at the crack of dawn's butt. It would only be right and true to the justice of summer vacation that I stayed up late and slept until noon. 
Why would someone be calling me down for breakfast so early in the morning? Good morning, Everick. Your grandpa told me to wake you up once I got breakfast started. I'm kind of an early riser. Wow, everything smells delicious. There's more where that came from. Toast is on the table along with milk and orange juice. Eat up because you're going to need all the energy you can muster for all your adventures today. Adventures, eh? Is that what you like to do for fun around here? Well, not so much anymore. These days I tend to read and cook. I have a room full of books in the back if you're interested. Reading for fun? You do realize I'm on vacation, right? Some of the most fun can be had while reading a book. With all those stories to be told, I can't see how a young boy like you could be held back. I'd rather watch a movie or some cartoons. Reading takes too long and lacks special effects. Sadly, I don't own a TV, but I'm sure you'll be able to find something to do outside to help pass the time. Thanks for breakfast. That was really good. You're welcome. It's basic, but delicious. Maybe next time I can make you something real special. My uncle taught me how to cook. He said he learned everything he knew from a princess he met washed up along the lake. She time-traveled from a distant land to escape a tyrant king she was being forced to marry. Of course, my uncle being the gentleman that he was, took her in and they fell in love. Are you pulling my leg again? Perhaps, but he never told me it wasn't true. Have you ever met her? No, my uncle told me that she left him sometime before I was born. He never explained why. Either way, I never found any pictures of them in his old house. He claimed he hid some away because he just couldn't cope with the pain of losing her. Did you believe him? I sure did. That kind of sadness is hard to fake. He was known for his jokes, but I believe he was sincere. It just sounds really out there. Time travel, magic, and stuff like that are just things people made up. But Grandma used to tell me about those kind of stories all the time. Maybe your grandma knew that just because some things are hard to understand, it doesn't mean they aren't real. Grandpa spent the rest of the day talking with Meredith, sharing stories about their lives. I sat around and listened to a few of them, but soon got bored with no TV. So, after supper, I grabbed my hat and decided to go out on an expedition before calling it a night. I decided to try a trail behind the house. I walked for about 10 minutes before pausing to examine the sky, noticing that the sun was still bright enough to give me a few more minutes of sunlight before needing to head back. Then, walking a few steps further, I heard a familiar sound. Huh? A raven? I wonder if it's the same one as yesterday. Whoa! Hey, you crazy bird, that's my hat! Give me back my hat! The chase was on. With branches whipping me across the face, I ran off the beaten path and through the bush. That was my favorite hat. I wasn't about to give it up that easy. I chased the raven through the woods until the sound of falling water reached my ears. I eventually lost sight of the raven and feared the worst. Beyond a set of bushes, I found a stream. It was in an open space cleared of trees and flowed over shiny pebbles. And there was my hat, caught on a branch sticking out of the water. I shook my hat dry and spotted a small waterfall further upstream. The water sparkled as the setting sun shone through it. I knew I should have been heading back home, but I couldn't help myself and moved in for a closer look. To my surprise and delight, there was a hidden cave. I followed the narrow tunnel inward, hoping I wasn't walking into a bear's den. Once inside, I was relieved to find a wide open cave cleared of all signs of wildlife. I walked along the wall, dragging my fingers over the surface. 
It was surprisingly smooth. It felt like glassy pebbles from a stream. The only light to see by came from a single hole in the top corner of the ceiling. And lastly, there was a large and perfectly round pond near the back. It was dark, too deep to see the bottom, and was the size of a dinner table. When I approached it, a raven suddenly swooped down from the gap in the ceiling and perched itself on top of a tree root poking out of a crack in the stone. Stay back. I've got rocks. Just letting you know. Then, radiating from below, the pond lit up my face. Seconds later, a black circle formed from its center, expanding until it filled it. Tiny ripples shook the water. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Then, the black, turbulent water gave way to blinding light. It was so intense that I was forced to shield my eyes. Once the light faded away, I looked into the pond. It looked like a forest. A mushroom forest! Everything was luminescent with black and purple mushrooms as tall as trees, standing proudly above a marshland. The biggest mushrooms covered the very sky, making it impossible for light to break through. Rich, deep purple glow-in-the-dark spots on every mushroom lit up the forest. The illusion of sparkling dust danced in the air. Some mushrooms were tall, some not so much. Others were skinny, others were enormous. Some were even hairier than others. From under every cap there shone colorful lights that spread downwards like a lamppost. The sound of it all filled the cave like the most amazing surround sound system I'd ever heard in my life. I could hear buzzing of large insects and chirping of discolored frogs. It was like the cave was part of the forest. At that point I remember thinking, I have officially lost it. How could any of this be possible? It didn't even resemble a pond anymore, more like a huge TV or something. I looked up at the raven, who remained perched on its branch. It looked like it was trying to figure me out. The image in the pond moved around and showed me different parts of the vast mushroom forest, eventually setting on the most interesting mushroom I'd seen yet. It was a peculiar mushroom because it wasn't like the others. It had a door a window, and a chimney poking out the side, blowing smoke. It was someone's home. It would be an understatement to say that I was fascinated. I drank it in with awe and wonder, hardly believing any of it. Was this still really just a pond? It certainly didn't look like water anymore, but I was too afraid to touch it and find out. Seeing as how weird it was, I didn't want to get sucked in or spontaneously combust. I knelt down to take a closer look, but then... The craziest thing happened. When I breathed on the pond, things moved. Across the entire mushroom forest, a strong gale blew furiously, shaking everything in sight. My eyes widened as the wind bullied its way past the giant mushrooms. Did I do that? Experimentally, I blew out a small puff of air and was met with the same results. Incredible! Once the wind stopped howling, the door to the mushroom house opened wide. There was a strange creature, a black and purple, short and chubby, human-like creature. It had long pointy ears, a round nose, short stubby arms and legs, a bald head with wild tufts of hair sticking out the sides, and it wore a gray tattered tunic. It scratched his bald head and walked out of his house appearing puzzled by the sudden wind. I was speechless, hardly believing what I was seeing. Then to my astonishment, 
the creature looked up and stared straight at me. Without another warning, the raven suddenly swooped down from its perch and shot at me. I fell over as it missed my head, and quickly I picked myself up and ran out of the cave as fast and as carefully as I could. Once on dry land, I pumped my legs as hard as they could take me. I couldn't believe it. Was any of that real? Did I smack my head along the trail earlier? It seemed so unreal and unbelievable. Either way, I never quit running, not knowing if the raven was still giving chase. Night was upon me now, and once I arrived at the house, I ran up the steps and dashed inside where everyone was sitting around the table. You'll never believe what just happened! I stood by the lake the very next morning, feeling as sour as a pickle. No. Worse yet, as bitter as Dad's turnip and olive surprise. After I burst into the house last night and told Grandpa about what happened, he just dismissed me as being over-imaginative and lost in a world of my own. The only person who actually showed any amount of interest was Meredith. I felt angry that Grandpa wasn't taking me seriously. After I had enough of skipping rocks, I met Meredith, enjoying the weather on her porch. Good morning. Good morning. I liked your story last night. A mushroom forest, eh? I've never seen one of those before. Although, I once watched a toad perform a handstand while entertaining a royal family of grasshoppers. After what I saw last night, I wouldn't doubt it. But wait, you believe my story? Absolutely. Why? Well, why not? Things happen all around us every day that's beyond our sight and understanding. I think it takes a special sort of person to want to see those things. You mean the crazy sort? Haven't you ever been told stories about courageous heroes who fought dragons? Or how about that frog prince? He needed only but one kiss from a fair maiden to break that spell that cursed him? I knew one of his great-great-great-great-great-great frog granddaughters. She was a funny little hopper. <laughs> Wait a minute. How could you have known his great-great-great-great-great-times-a-hundred frog granddaughter? People don't have frog babies. Who says he never found a frog wife while under his curse? Frogs have feelings too, and so I'm guessing he eventually became lonely, waiting for a princess to break his curse and found a frog wife. Makes perfect sense once you think about it. Uh-huh. The frog folk have their own version of this story too. Theirs is that a prince was forced to leave them in search of a princess who would be willing to kiss him. He needed to change back to his human form so that he could fight the evil toad overlords who were threatening to enslave their pond. Once made whole, he saved his frog family and carried them away to the safety of the royal garden, placing them in a pond much more beautiful and safe. They all lived happily ever after. The prince is a hero among frog folk. They still share his story with travelers to this day if you ask them about it. But wouldn't his frog wife have been sad that she couldn't be with her husband anymore? I'm sure it must have been hard for them both, but that's the sacrifice some people or frogs in this case, have to make in order to protect their loved ones, even if it means their lives will never be the same again. I'll admit, that's a pretty cool story. But frogs can't talk, so I think you're making this one up too. The point I'm trying to make is that it takes a special person to experience special adventures. The kind of person who isn't afraid to accept the impossible. Have you ever asked a frog its name? Well, no. That sounds like something really weird to ask a frog. Then how do you know they don't talk? Humanity used to know a lot more about the world when it was young. 
Eventually, when we became more concerned with our own playthings, we stopped listening, and gradually it stopped speaking. But believe me, it's still alive and well. You just need to be willing to hear its voice, and when you do, usually something important is said. Like what? Well, that's something you'll just have to find out for yourself. But don't be too long, because lunch will be ready in a few hours. And if you happen to come by that raven again, tell him I said hello. Sure, and I'll ask for his name and we'll be the best of friends and share stories about raven heroes all the live long day. I'll be back soon. If Grandpa knew about this next part of the story, he would laugh until he died. As I was entering the trail, I looked up and noticed a slug. It slowly and excruciatingly made its way along my foot, leaving a trail of sticky substance behind. At the rate it was moving, it would take it until nightfall to make it to the middle of the yard. I knelt down, wondering what could be going through that little slug mind. I looked around to make sure no one was watching. Hello, what's your name? Of course, the slug didn't answer and continued along with his painfully slow pace toward the yard. Talk about feeling stupid. Of course the slug wasn't going to answer me. It's a slug! So I forgot all about that craziness and set off again in search of the pond to settle the matter once and for all. Thankfully, the hike to the cave was uneventful. Inside was just as I remembered it. Smooth stone surfaces, a single hole in the ceiling that glowed with light, and a small round pond near the back of the cave. So far, things looked promising. I circled the cave, inspecting every crack and crevice, trying to figure out the trick to this place. I eventually grew frustrated and gave up, taking a step toward the water. It looked like a regular pond. There was nothing special about it at all, just a big spot of water. But then suddenly, a black saucer began to expand from its center, just like before. The process repeated itself exactly as last night. The blinding light exploding into the cave, hurting my eyes, and when I looked down, there was a mushroom forest. Black and purple mushrooms as tall as skyscrapers blotted out the sky. Others of all shapes and sizes and textures filled the forest as far as the eye could see. I knew I wasn't crazy. As the image inside the pond zipped and zoomed from mushroom to mushroom, I soon realized the direction it took me was connected to my thoughts. Like a scene change in a movie, I thought about where I wanted to go, and there I was. I even followed a glowing fuzzy moth around like in a video game. I was mind blown. Then, before I could make a stop, I was inside someone's home. Oh well. It looked like what you'd think a mushroom would look like from the inside. It was colored in different shades of purple and dotted and spotted with black marks all over the walls. Little tiny white mushrooms that dimly lit up the room sprung out from all sorts of places. A net spread out across the ceiling carrying random junk. There was a rusty kettle, long broken pieces of carved wood, rope of different lengths, a bunch of scrap metal, and a lot of things I would have considered useless garbage. A big black cauldron with a giant fork sat in the middle of the room. There was a shelf with a whole bunch of gross things sitting close by it. Lastly, a table and a stool were kept by the window. A door opened. My throat tightened as a short and chubby black and purple creature with short stubby arms and legs dragged behind him the lifeless body of, of the craziest looking deer I'd ever seen in my life. I held my breath, having no idea whether or not it could see me. 
Humky Lou, Humky Lee, you're going to be delicious to me. Loody Day and Doody Do, get inside my tasty stew. <laughs> <laughs> Who goes there? I'll cut out your tongue and toss it into a jar with the rest of them. Come out now or so help me. <laughs> Ears must have been playing tricks on me. Humpy Lou, Humpy Lee. <laughs> Phew. Huh? What the? Whoa! <sighs> what in the name of? Oh my God! My breath. I I'm so sorry. Who's there? What is it? I didn't mean to upset your home. I swear it was an accident. Show yourself. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't know. Conceal yourself with magic, eh? Invade a troll's home, create a mess, and dare not face him? If I get my hands on you, I'll gut you and hang you out for the ogres to feast on your bones! Please, please listen to me. GET OUT! I felt like a giant turd. I totally forgot that breathing on the pond somehow created a gale of wind inside the world. And, of course, it had to be inside his house. Totally demolished the place. Stew all over the floor. Oh, that weird looking deer with his legs in the air. It was just a mess. But at least I did learn that I am apparently invisible. So at least I had that going for me. With knots as big as fists inside my stomach, I willed myself away from the troll's house and deep into the mushroom forest. Feeling horrible. <laughs> found myself in an area darker than I had been before. The mushrooms were fuzzier and choked out the light. But despite how cool everything was, I still couldn't stop thinking about how I upset the troll. I had to admit, it was a little scary knowing I had that kind of power. By just blowing on the pond, I could stir up a gale of wind. Speaking of wind, it was starting to get so dark in this part of the forest that I was wondering if I could move one of the towering mushrooms to let in some light. I examined the undersides of the mushrooms and blew on the pond. They swayed and shook, but never parted enough to reveal the sky. This would be a little trickier than I thought. I thought it would be a good opportunity to experiment and see if I could conjure up any other abilities. Experimentally, I mimed the motions of pushing the mushrooms apart. It took some effort, but it actually worked. A large divide formed in the sky where the towering mushrooms parted and a bright light shone through. However, something unexpected happened. The light disintegrated everything it touched. It burned through the vegetation, creating an exposed area that hadn't previously existed. A single rock on the ground centered in the ray of light caught on fire and burned like a candle. I facepalmed myself and watched the mushroom burn. Why did everything I do mess something up? Then, from the corner of my eye, there was a sudden movement along the outer rim of the ray of light. It was the troll, looking paralyzed. I motioned for the towering mushrooms to close the gap in the sky. Once the forest was plunged into darkness again, most of the flames died out. The only thing that remained on fire was the big rock in the middle of the burnt patch of moss and grass. The troll stood staring speechless at the burning stone. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. 
It seems I can't do anything right around here. I was finding it hard to see in the dark, but I guess I only made things worse. Are you a demon? No, I'm just a boy. Well, what is it that you want with me? Seems I can't go anywhere without you nearly killing me or turning me to stone. How did I almost turn you to stone? I'm a troll, you dim-witted cragglehorn. Trolls are allergic to sunlight, and if we get caught in it, we turn to stone. Gone. Forever. Kaput. The end. Oh, I didn't know that. If I would have known that sunlight burns stuff, then uh, I, I would have left it alone. Things work really differently here. Then you should go back to where you came from and leave well enough alone. Folk here in the Shadow Marsh don't care for travelers, especially sun lovers. The Shadow Marsh? Is that the name of this world? What? Of course not. This is the Shadow Marsh. You know, lots of swamps, mushrooms, all kinds of marsh giants, foul beasts, and other nasty cave dwellers waiting to gobble you up. It's the only place in Ortica like it. This place is so cool. I've never seen mushrooms so big in my life. Everything is so creepy. It's awesome. And I've never seen a real-life troll before. What's your name? If I tell you my name, then you'll follow me everywhere like a good-for-nothing whistlebrisk. Hermit trolls don't like chatty things, and chatty things have no business pestering us hermit trolls. We leave you to your word salads, and we stay quiet and eat our stew. Much better that way. You like to be alone? It's what I do. Less talking, and more time for scavenging shiny treasures and eating bubbling stew. It's what I would be doing right now if some rotten horkle bun never squished all my liver cakes. Two! I only had two left, and now I got zero. Nothing. So thank you very much, Mr. Burning Rock, for ruining my dinner and dessert. Gross. You eat liver cakes? That sounds disgusting. No more disgusting than your face. And... I don't even need to see it to know it's true. Huh? Oh, well, your face. Very clever. Wait, where are you going? Away. Can you at least tell me your name now? No. Why not? Please, I promise to stop bothering you if you tell me your name. My name's Everick. No name for you. If you're not going to tell me your name, then I'll just have to give you one myself. Hmm. Hobbert. Hobbs for short. It's the name of my mom's uncle who lives in a senior's home. He's really grumpy too. If you're not giving me your name, then I'll just have to call you Hobbs. Um, I, I need to go now, but I'll try to be back later tonight. Maybe then you can tell me more about the Shadow Marsh. Uh, okay, see you. After my farewell, the pond rippled and was normal again. There was nothing special looking about it at all. This had to be one of the most amazing things to ever happen to me. How exciting it was to discover a new world inside of a pond. On my way back to the house, I cheered out loud in a rush of excitement. Grandpa and Meredith were there waiting for me. Glad you can make it back in time. And miss your cooking? I haven't tasted food this good my entire life. Make sure you savor this one, Everick. We'll be leaving for home tomorrow morning. Can we stay a little while longer? Please, Grandpa. Mom won't mind. I really like it here. We don't have to leave yet. I'm sorry, but we can't stay. We don't want to overstay our welcome. Oh, don't worry about that. I would have you here as long as you like. And it's nice to have some company. I really enjoy getting to know you. Not to mention, your home is a nice break from the hustle and bustle of the city. But I'm sorry, Everett. We need to go home. 
We can come back and visit again someday, if Meredith is willing. Oh, you'll be back before you know it. I'm especially happy to have met you, Everick. You remind me a lot of myself when I was your age. You have that same spark for adventure my uncle encouraged in me. I still have that tent ready if you want to spend the night outside before you go. If you never camped outside before, then there is no better place for it than here. I'd really like that. Now, let's eat. Later that evening, Meredith showed up to the tent with an extra pillow and blanket in her arms. Enjoying the view? I don't want to go home tomorrow. I know. But don't worry yourself over that now, or you'll miss out on all the fun you'll have here tonight. I tried asking a slugged's name today. It never answered me. I think you were making that story up. Was I now? Well, maybe you just didn't expect it to answer. But something weird is definitely going on. I went back to that pond today and I met a troll. Although, I did sort of mess things up at first. Oh, really? How so? I think I have powers inside that world I see in the pond. Like, whenever I blow on the water, it creates wind. I accidentally blew Hobbs' door to his mushroom house wide open and made everything crash against the wall. He was furious. But I think it was because he was scared. He couldn't see me, so I think I'm invisible when I'm there. His name is Hobbs? He wouldn't tell me his name, so I gave him one instead. I wish I could see him again. Well, that sounds like quite the adventure. And it's also interesting that you have the ability to influence this world you've described. Powerful men have craved to control this kind of power, and sorcerers have achieved a cheap imitation. Terrible things can stem from the use of such abilities, so I trust you to use discretion and be wise in your judgment in these acts of power. Not every day someone stumbles on such a place, and it's not to be abused. Thanks for the advice, but I don't think it matters anymore. I'm leaving tomorrow. You're a good boy, Everick. Have a good night. I sat there for a while longer and looked out through the screen door, admiring the lake. I tossed the extra pillow beside the other and grabbed my blanket to spread it across the ground. Except when it whipped into the air, something flew from it and crashed against the back of the tent. I crawled over to see what it was and found the flashlight with a note wrapped around it with a rubber band. It read, Remember, ask the raven its name. It would need to be a covert operation. If Grandpa knew I was exploring in the dark, he'd kill me. But Meredith slipped me these for a reason, so I waited an hour until the lights went off in the house. Grandpa would soon be asleep and would be none the wiser that I left. Once it was safe, I unzipped my tent and walked in between the trees to avoid the windows in case he happened to look outside. As soon as the house was out of sight, I switched on my flashlight. The light cast long shadows on the trees and made the trail look scary as heck. It wasn't long before I heard a familiar rustling sound. The raven perched itself. It sat motionless, staring at me with those beady little eyes. It gave me chills. Last time, the raven attacked me and stole my hat, so there was no knowing what it might do. I remembered the note. Asked the raven its name. While I wanted to listen to the part of my brain that knew it was crazy talk to ask an animal its name, the dark was starting to scare me, and I wanted more than ever to escape the raven's stare. With nothing to lose, I gave it a shot. Um, hello, Mr. Raven. What's your name? 
The raven cocked its head, but did not answer. Was there a trick in the asking itself? I tried it again, with a bit more confidence. What's your name? Again, the raven ruffled its feathers and sank its head into its shoulders. Oh, it was completely useless. I felt just as embarrassed as I did when I asked the slug its name. A little angry, even. What's up with Meredith and her mind games? But then, just as I was about to turn away, a voice like a croak spoke out. It's a dark night for a boy to be wandering the forest all by himself. Did you say something? What with all the hungry beasts in search of something to gnaw on, I'd say it'd be a good night for me to follow unsuspecting victims for a treat of my own. Okay, I was freaking out. But something inside of me insisted I needed to get the raven to tell me its name. I couldn't explain why. I just knew it was important. Please tell me your name. You don't want to be bothered with something as trivial as a name, do you? Coyotes and bears aren't prejudiced when it concerns their meals. I want to know your name. My name is Everick. Please tell me your name. You certainly are a stubborn one, aren't you? Very well. If you are so determined to know, I am the Ravenzel. Now, would you be so kind as to point that light elsewhere? Oh, sorry. It's nice to meet you. So why wouldn't you tell me your name? Names are a fickle thing. I find that once I exchange names with a person, I feel less inclined to lure them into the jaws of a dangerous predator so that I can snack on the leftovers. You were gonna get me eaten? The last time I checked, you're part of the food chain as well, Mr. Opposable Thumbs. We all need to eat, don't we? That's not very nice. I was just trying to get back to the pond. I know. I am its keeper. So why is it that I can now understand you when all you did before was call at me? Perhaps it's because you're beginning to believe you're truly speaking with a raven. People hear the voices of animals as chirps and howls because that's what they believe they should hear. They never think to stop and ask our opinions because they are vain and self-absorbed. There was a time when man ruled along with animals and consulted their wisdom, seeking answers for matters they could possibly not understand for themselves. Those days are lost to us now. Whoa, I had no idea. Meredith spoke a little about talking animals, but I didn't really believe her. Unless I'm losing my mind, boy, was I ever wrong. No one contains even a fraction of the knowledge that woman has. However, I'm not certain whether or not that makes her more of a pest. So, how do animals get their names? Their parents. Oh, I thought maybe uh, animals had special names or something cool like that. I am the keeper of the channel, yes. But my name serves no other purpose than to identify what 
to call me, just like you, unless you would rather be called boy by every creature you encounter, hmm? Sheesh, I never knew animals cared so much about that. Amazing what a little courtesy can accomplish, isn't it? You mentioned that the pond I found is called the Channel, and that you're its keeper? What exactly does that mean? What is this place? I've never heard of anything like it outside of fantasy stories. Oh, a history lesson, is it? It's not every day I come across a human not too caught up in themselves. I suppose I could spare the time. Now listen carefully. This land you're standing on is sacred ground. There are several hidden places on Earth housing natural wonders that allow us to peer into other dimensions. This place is only accessible if you're invited by a guardian. Since Meredith has invited you here, you are freely able to travel the path unhindered with an unaltered mind. Uninvited travelers who approach here find themselves repelled by wildlife or unnatural weather. You mean like wild animals attacking people to keep them away? In some cases, yes. Purposes of the Guardians are to sense intruders and ward them off. We bear no fault if you choose to not heed our warnings. There are sanctums that are now lost to us and are easily accessible, but the weather precautions are still intact and do fine work keeping their mysteries hidden. Are you allowed to tell me where? The place you know as the Bermuda Triangle is one of them. However, I do not possess the knowledge of its secrets. The Bermuda Triangle's weather precautions have claimed many ships and airplanes over the decades. Some have been fortunate enough to escape. Many have claimed to have seen unusual things while passing through the triangle, but none have discovered its true nature. <laughs> that is so cool! But if it's left to the mercy of men, then what happened to its guardians? Did something bad happen? I wish even I had the answer to that one. If this place is meant to be kept secret from others, why let me in on all of this? Aren't you afraid I'll tell people? And now we get to the catch. If you reveal this information to others, the moment you open your mouth, your memories will be wiped clean and you will never remember visiting this place. That's the bit of ancient magic that's left in the world. Those who learn the wisdom of the ages are forever changed, so you can never be too careful, even with those we invite. Only a special few are the exception to this rule, like those who can manipulate the webs of magic, and those who would protect this land. Oh, well, I guess that makes sense. It would be really bad if this place was overrun with tourists. Is there anything else you can tell me? Each sanctum has several guardians of different species. Meredith is one of them, as am I. We guard the channel from those who would abuse and exploit them for their own gain. I am the channel's personal keeper.
Guardians allow passage, but only I allow them access to gaze into the channel. If I had chosen not to, you would simply have seen a solid rock wall behind the waterfall. Wait a second. If you're here to protect this place from evil, why were you trying to lure me to some crazy animal so that I could get eaten? Isn't that evil? Wouldn't Meredith be against another guardian getting me killed? You consider an animal's instinct to obtain food for sustenance an act of evil? Men hunt. Animals stalk and prey. But yes, I do believe Meredith would have been upset with me. And that's probably why she wanted me to ask your name, so you wouldn't have me killed. But then why did you ever lead me to the pond in the first place? Even though I'm kind of a big deal, I'm still mortal. I live as long as any raven. During the years of my position, I have never witnessed a channel being used. Once you came along, well, let's just say curiosity got the best of me. I'm not perfect. And then you try to get me eaten. Oh, are you still on with that? I'm hungry. Now, if you don't mind, I must be off. Scavenging and all that. Sure. Thanks for teaching me about this place. Is it all right that I still go to the pond? If you wish. It was only yesterday that I didn't believe in talking animals and magical visions into other dimensions. Now my entire world was being turned upside down. I couldn't wait to tell my friends about this place. Oh. That thought suddenly gave me a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Meredith and the animals lived to protect this place from wrongdoers and worked hard to keep it secret. Even if I wanted to tell anyone, my memory would be erased. It felt wrong to expose Lynn Lake. I may not be a guardian, but I sure didn't want the wrong person to find out about it. I felt like I had to protect it just as seriously as everyone else. Pointing my flashlight forward, I continued down the path to the pond. The path was a lot spookier at night, especially after Zell had tried to get me eaten. I picked up my pace, pointing my flashlight at every crick and crack that sounded in the night. Luckily, there were no bears, wolves, coyotes, or angry giant rabid gorillas who came smashing their way through the thicket to devour me. I made it to the cave without incident and was glad for it. It was much darker in the cave at night. The only light was from the natural glow of the moon through the small opening in the ceiling, which wasn't much. I approached the pond and everything repeated as before. The world was just as I remembered it. I felt comforted by the fact that nothing had changed. The enormous mushrooms towered above, and the colors were as brilliant as ever. I wasted no time searching for the troll. I decided the best place to start looking would be his home. Hobbs definitely wouldn't be jumping for joy to hear from me again, but I wasn't going to give up just yet. Hobbs was the most unique creature I'd ever seen. I was determined to get to know him more. At the moment, it looked like he was having a hard time trying to sort through the mess I had left his home in. No, not right, not right at all! Curse this rotten mess of things. What goes in which jar? Was it the salamander toes in the jar with the black lid? Or was it the cobblenixy tongues? Ah, bah! Oh, this stew is ruined! Hello, Hobbs. What? I thought it was clear I'm not wanting to be bothered. What do you want? 
Oh, oh, you don't have to worry. I won't make a mess of things again, I promise. I know what I did wrong last time, so I won't make that same mistake twice. Then why do I still hear your voice? What are you cooking? Nothing you would enjoy. Although, I'm not sure what invisible buggers with loud, annoying voices like to eat, so for all I know, you very well could like it. But you're not getting any! Ugh, yeah, I think you're right. I'd rather lick the inside of a shoe. And what's wrong with the inside of a shoe? They make for good bowls. Ugh, I can't believe you're actually eating that stuff. Oh my god, I can even smell it. It's like a sewer burped up a goat seasoned with gasoline. How did you know it was goat? I don't know if it is gasoline, but lava lizard saliva mixed with a pinch of ground pixie wings works like a charm. Yuck. Okay, let's change the subject. So, what do you do around here? In the Shadow Marsh, I mean. I haven't seen much of anything else except all the different mushrooms. Hmm. Well, maybe they don't want to be bothered like someone else I know. I told you before, the creatures here in the Shadow Marsh don't like visitors and enjoy their own little spot of darkness. So, invisible ninny, if you would do me the pleasure of leaving me in peace, I would live to be a very happy troll. Why do you want to get rid of me so badly? Don't you want any friends? I'm a hermit troll. A hermit troll. What part of Hermit Troll don't you understand, Twiddlewits? I live by myself and enjoy no company at all because all they do is talk and ask questions about nothing that will help me get this tasty stew into my stomach. I had an idea. Pressing the tip of my finger into my thumb, I brought it down close to the pond and thought real hard about what I wanted to do. I envisioned flicking my finger into the cauldron's bubbling ooze and said, Get in his belly! Suddenly, Hobbs' cooking pot lashed out and splashed him all across the face. Bits of meat clung to him. I couldn't help but <laughs> I couldn't believe it actually worked. For whatever I wanted to happen in Ortica, all I had to do was will the action to life with my mind and body. I wanted to laugh so hard at the troll's dripping face but bit the inside of my cheek, holding myself back. Hobbs licked around his lips and calmly wiped the stew from across his eyelids with the back of his hand. That was hot. Oh, shoot. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm sorry. Are you okay? It's a good thing my skin's as tough as leather. Otherwise, that would have been extra unpleasant. Maybe I got a little carried away that time. It was meant to be a prank, but again, ugh, I wasn't using my head. I prefer stew through my mouth, not my nostrils. Stop doing that! It's not me. I'm not doing anything. Whatever's happening isn't my fault. Gregor! Stop! Hobbs raced to the door to see what was happening. What greeted us outside was a frightening sight. A huge, terrible-looking giantess with long, black, scraggly hair was tearing through the forest, leaving a path of destruction behind her. <laughs> Mushrooms of all shapes and sizes lay torn from the ground as the she-giant pressed forward, howling like a banshee with unconstrained rage. The sheer force of her strikes were so astonishing, I couldn't do nothing but watch in horror. Hobbs was not in a much better state himself. Gregor! No more angry! Another giant joined the scene, a bearded one, trying to keep up with the raging monster he called Grega. They resembled each other, but there was something different about her. 
Grega's eyes contained nothing but blackness, and some portions of her were encrusted with black scales over her dark blue skin. She was only a short distance away from the troll's home, and at any moment would charge past, leaving it in a heap of rubble. Hobbs closed his eyes and winced in terror, expecting the worst. The troll opened his eyes and found that he wasn't buried under the remnants of his home. Instead, some distance away, lay the giantess's unconscious body. I couldn't believe my eyes. Just as everything seemed set to be demolished, the other giant quickly closed the distance to Grega and whacked her behind the head using the stem of a giant mushroom. Grega went from a charging rhinoceros to a slumbering kitten within seconds. Bad, Grega. You get angry and make Big Brother hit you like silly plaything. Make Gronk sad. Hobbs, are you okay? Hobbs didn't respond and stood perfectly still and unblinking. The giant was staring straight at him. Hobbs trembled in fear. I had to act fast, so with a puff of air, I focused on a fallen mushroom and aimed to whip it at the giant's head, hoping for a knockout. Unfortunately, as the giant mushroom was picked up by an unnatural strong gust of wind and shot through the air towards its target, with lightning-quick reflexes, the giant blocked the missile with his massive forearm. He looked around frantically for his attacker, but found nothing. I cursed the giant's agility. Something so big couldn't be that fast. Hobbs' knees were knocking together. The giant reached out and plucked him from his spot with an enormous hand and brought him closer to his face, breathing heavily. Maybe one Gregor better. Gregor like tangy treat. Come, little treat. Come with Grong. Hobbs could do nothing but stare at his captor, paralyzed by fear. I felt terrible for failing to save him. It seems that your friend has gotten himself into quite some trouble. Ah! Oh, you scared me. I never even noticed you come in. <sighs> I tried everything to save him, but the giant was too quick. It was like it saw it coming. So it seems. The lumbering brute certainly has a keen eye. Or it may be that you simply don't possess the subtlety of attack. What do you expect from me? It's not like I had lots of time to practice this whole control the world's environment thing much. It takes some getting used to. Isn't there anything else we can do to help him? Unfortunately, no. What do you think will happen to him? Well, the words tangy treat doesn't exactly spell out pampered guest. My heart fell into my stomach, but then a new determination rose inside of me. Hobbs was the first creature I met in this new world, and I wasn't about to let him be eaten by some ugly giant. I would somehow help Hobbs escape, even if it meant conjuring up a hurricane. The bearded giant dragged his unconscious sister through the forest by her foot while clutching Hobbs in his free hand. The troll looked as miserable as I'd ever seen him. I spoke to him as quietly as I could. I'm sorry about the mess you're in, but don't worry. I'm gonna figure out how to set you free. Please, with the streak you got going, I think I'm safer as the giant's lunch. You say something to Grong? Hobbs shook his head fearfully. Then why speak if not to Grong? Because the voice in the sky won't leave me in peace even as I go to my death? Bah, there's no voice in sky. 
Grong no dummy. Now you don't speak. Oh, Grong crush, little head. What if I try to trip him up or something? Quiet. <laughs> See, it hurt when I squish, doesn't it? So no more talking. Next time, you're jelly. I decided it would be best to wait until the giant put Hobbs down somewhere before attempting to speak with him again. I didn't want to accidentally be the cause of the troll's premature death. It was some time later, after watching the giant wade through the mushroom forest, through marshes and thick vegetation, when we arrived at a cave burrowed into the bottom of a cliff. The cliff rose high up until nearly reaching the tallest mushrooms that covered the very sky. Inside, the cave was enormous with large intricate bone necklaces hanging from the ceiling. And there was a strong stench. That might be the one thing I wish the pond didn't do. Smell-o-vision? No thanks. Anybody coming across this place would definitely know that this was a den of death. The overpowering stench only got worse the further we went inside, and once we arrived inside the main chamber, I discovered the source of it. It was a great big Mud pit filled with bones and rotting corpses. Ugh, I felt like I was going to barf. The giant stopped dragging his sister and placed her in a corner where a makeshift bed was made up of mushroom hairs. Hobbs was locked away inside a cage made of mushroom stems. Stay put, little treat. After Grong make Grega feel better, Grong make Grega happy with tangy snack. Sorry about earlier. I'll try to be more careful from now on. I don't want him to pop your head off. That would definitely be a shame, because you obviously don't have one. Hey, I tried to save you, remember? And the fine job you did of it, Cragglehorn. I was perfectly fine before you decided to toss a mushroom at his ugly head. He never even noticed me until you pulled that stunt. He was looking right at you while you were shaking in your boots. Pugh, I was perfectly hidden. If it weren't for your meddling, you would have picked that ugly beast up and been on his way. Ah, oh no, my stew is still cooking! That stew will kill you faster than the giant could. Now let me help you escape from here. If you would have just left me alone in the first place like I asked, I wouldn't be in this mess. <sighs> but I suppose I am in quite a pickle. And you do owe me for getting me in here. So alright, but keep it simple. I don't want this cave to collapse while I'm inside. I'll do my best. It was time to spring Hobbs out of jail. The night was beginning to take its toll. It was getting late. Dawn would soon arrive, and Grandpa would be expecting to find me in my tent. But before that happened, I needed to help set Hobbs free, or else he'd be eaten by blue-skinned giants. I looked around the cave for anything useful. Hmm, how should I do this? Should it be subtle, quiet, or should I come in with guns blazing? Maybe I could push the giant into the mud pit. My problem was that I didn't want to kill anyone. Would the giant be able to escape afterwards? I don't think I could live with myself if he got stuck and died in the mud. I would save Hobbs, but I needed to do it my way. I searched the cave for anything I could use. I could try to lift the cage up high enough for the troll to crawl under and sneak away. Hopefully the giant's hearing wasn't as great as his strength. And just as I was about to give it a try, 
It was at that moment I noticed something I'd missed before. I thought the giant had been sitting by the edge of the mud, lost in thought, but he'd been staring at something trapped inside all along. A few feet from the edge, a big black reptilian head with obsidian eyes was sticking out of the mud and glaring back at the giant with teeth barred. It had rows of sharp spikes snaking down the top of his head to the back of its neck. How did I miss that? I must have mistaken it for a corpse rotting in the mud. After a long stare down, the giant spoke slowly and threatened it. You're stuck, little salamander. If not take back bad stuff from Gregor, it will keep sinking. Does little salamander want to keep sinking? Bad stuff? I had to assume the giant was talking about the black scales growing on his sister. Even now it seemed to be spreading. Had the lizard head made her sick? Maybe that's why she has the crazy black eyes, and he didn't. The reptile didn't move a muscle. It simply kept staring, its angry gaze speaking for itself. Foolish salamander, come here and puff on Gregor. Now Gregor's sick with bad stuff and angry. Black, shiny stuff grow on skin and don't come off. You take it back or Gronk smash head into mud. No matter how much the giant threatened and roared, it still did not respond. Gronk was furious. He picked up a large rock and smashed it several times against the ground as hard as he could, splitting it into pieces. Take back first of no! The giant would later regret his outburst of anger. All of that commotion woke the sleeping sister, who slowly rose to her feet, rubbing the side of her head she got smacked by with the mushroom. She fixed her gaze on her brother. She looked like a savage beast hungry after a long hibernation. She roared loudly. Hobbs frantically searched his cage for a way to escape before he ended up a tangy treat. Gregor, no angry. Sleep, no angry. Grong make little salamander take back bad stuff. Despite pleading, his words fell on deaf ears. His sister was lost to madness. She charged at him angrily. That thing in the mud, it grinned. Oh, that can't be good. It was now or never. If I didn't immediately free Hobbs, he would end up a purple smear beneath one of their feet. While both giants were locked in combat and thrashed around, I imagined myself gripping the cage with both hands. Then, yanking upwards, the cage ripped right out of the ground and went flying into the air. Hobbs quickly dashed away before it came crashing back down. He bolted for the exit and ran as fast as he could, never looking back. The giants clashed like animals, swinging wildly at each other. Gronk fought hard, but his sister fought harder, wilder. Grega didn't seem to care that it was her own brother on the receiving end of her beating. She howled with each swing, making every blow count. Gronk ducked and dodged as best he could, but was no match for his sister's aggression. As Grong was pushed back as close as he wanted to get to the mud pit behind him, his sister struck a nasty blow to his temple, and he fell with a resounding crash. Unfortunately, one of his arms landed in the mud just inches away from the reptile's head, 
who had been watching the battle take place with pleasure. Stretching its neck out, it bit down hard on the giant's hand with a crunch. The giant roared in pain, pulling his hand away. The creature bit down harder. It had no intentions of letting go. Then, the giant yanking one last time, the creature held on with a tightly cleansed jaw and was freed from the mud. It was at that moment I realized what I was looking at. It was a dragon! A black dragon wickedly barbed with spikes from head to toe soared into the air with a graceful twist and shook off the mud that clung to it. With a savage cry, it descended on Grong, digging its claws into the giant's arms and exhaled a black mist into his face. Grong coughed and convulsed. Moments later, he laid motionless on the ground, his sister continuing her relentless assault on his vulnerable body. It made me sick to my stomach to witness such a brutal attack on someone so helpless. It seems the troll is not out of the fire yet. Zell was right. The dragon caught sight of Hobbs on the run. Its eyes narrowed on the troll, losing interest in the giant now that Grega was finishing the job. It leaped into the air and took flight in quick pursuit. This had to be the troll's worst day ever. Run, Hobbs! Huh? Oh, no! One thing's for sure, there's no outrunning a dragon. Before he reached the exit, two large claws grabbed him by the arms and yanked him up into the sky. All I wanted was to eat my stew! Oh no, Zell, what do I do? How should I know? You're the one with the powers. The dragon soared past the towering mushrooms, over steep cliffs and putrid swamps. I needed to think of something fast before Hobbs was lost for good. Concentrating on the dragon, I reached out and imagined grabbing it with giant invisible hands, hoping to stop him in midair. For whatever reason, nothing happened. The dragon kept flying as Hobbs screamed and hollered for help. Shoot! It was time to try something else. This time, instead of grabbing hold of the dragon, I concentrated on bending the mushrooms like tree branches, counting on them to spring back hard enough to bash the dragon out of the sky. Thankfully, this new plan seemed to be working. Every mushroom obeyed my commands and swung themselves like massive baseball bats, trying to hit the speediest fastball ever. Bewildered, the dragon swooped and swerved, dodging the swinging fungi. It was as if the mushroom forest had sprung to life in defense of the troll. Hey, careful with those! How about not killing me too while you're at it? I'm doing the best I can. The mental exertion of manipulating Ortica's environment was starting to give me a headache. Slowly, the mushrooms resisted my will, and the dragon was able to dodge the incoming blows with less effort. I tried to summon as much energy as I could, but the ache in my head throbbed with each command. Time is of the essence! Look! The edge of the mushroom forest was now in sight. Sunlight filtered through the gaps between each mushroom. At the speed the dragon was flying, they would emerge out into the open at any moment. And then what? My heart raced. My head was starting to spin, and the pain grew worse. This had to end. I couldn't allow the dragon to take Hobbs into sunlight, or he'd be turned to stone. Focusing harder than ever, and ignoring the pain in my head, I waited for the dragon to get into position, and... Wham! The blow landed perfectly! The mushroom sprang up like a catapult and hit the dragon right under the chin with a resounding crack. The dragon's body went limp and fell toward the ground. I did it! Except, maybe I didn't. Hobbs was freed all right, 
but the dragon's momentum was enough that it literally hurled him through the air and straight for the forest edge. There was no time to react. All I could do was watch as the troll crossed the border from darkness to light, from flesh to stone. The morning sun shone bright over endless hills on the horizon. A gentle breeze created the illusion of waves on a fertile green ocean. The scent of early spring drifted into the pond's cave. But ain't nobody got time for that because a troll was in need. I was terrified that I'd discover a stone statue of Hobbes, all twisted in some grotesque way, probably cursing me to his last breath. When I found him, he was lying unconscious in the grass. But still flesh and blood! I mean, he was looking pretty banged up, but he was alive! That raised an important question. Why hadn't the troll turned to stone? Interesting. That's weird. Why hasn't he turned to stone? He seemed pretty afraid of leaving the mushroom forest. Perhaps there is more than what meets the eye to this one. Don't get too comfortable just yet. We have company. From over a hill came riding three armored soldiers on horses. They circled around Hobbs and came to a stop. A darkling! All three soldiers immediately dismounted their horses and drew their swords. They were elves! Like, straight out of Lord of the Rings! Or at least I assumed as much from the pointy ears and all. I did say I'm partway through the Hobbit trilogy. Either way, the very sight of Hobbes was enough to draw their aggression. They obviously meant him harm, and I wasn't about to let that happen. I took a deep breath, hoping either to scare the soldiers off, unlikely, I know, or at least wake Hobbes up to give him a fighting chance. Do not interfere. What? I can't just let them hurt him. Do not. Make me repeat myself. I've let you have your fun. But you do not understand the forces you play with. There will be consequences. I bit the inside of my cheek to keep myself from snapping back. Zell was the keeper of the channel. I didn't want to risk having my pawn privileges revoked. I hope the raven knew what he was doing. How in the world could a darkling have made it all the way out here? We're miles away from the camps. All I know is Captain probably want to think of priority to escort this darkling back to the castle. They'll want to make an example out of this one for escaping. Oh man, patrol duty, kiss our butts goodbye. This is our ticket out here. Ooh, he's a heavy one, isn't he? <laughs> I felt like dying inside. My throat tightened as I blinked back tears of frustration. I was being forced to sit by and watch two doofuses grab Hobbs and load him onto the back of a horse and be taken away to be punished. A ray of light caught my eye. I blinked, looking up. Dawn? It couldn't be morning already. I felt my legs tingle and go weak. If I wasn't in my tent by the time Grandpa came to wake me, oh, I don't even want to imagine what kind of trouble I'd be in. As though sensing my energy, the water rippled and the image disappeared. It was once again just a regular pond. It's a shame it had to end this way. If you could have just let me save him, he could have went back to his normal life. I just wanted to save him. Some things are beyond your abilities. You're the keeper. You must have some special powers, don't you? Can't you do anything? I cannot. 
before my mentor passed on his mantle, I spoke a binding oath not to interfere in the events of other worlds. But you brought me here. Is that not interfering? You already broke your binding oath just by bringing me here. I am bound by oath. You are not. You are not the first to visit this place. The keepers decide who is worthy to approach it. Yes, you were a means to scratch an itch, but you would never have stepped foot in here if you had malice in your heart. You believe I'm worthy? A boy's heart is not a man's heart. Someday you'll look back on your innocence and wish for life to be so simple again. That very essence is how you're here. I gave Zell my farewell and walked away from the pond. I felt guilty about what happened to Hobbs. I hoped someday he'd be able to perfect his stinky stew. I ran as fast as I could through the woods. The sun was rising. I had no idea what time Grandpa would be coming to wake me, but I couldn't be late. Thankfully, the house was still and quiet. Good. Grandpa wasn't awake yet, so I slipped into my tent and covered myself up. Never in my life would I have imagined having an adventure like that. Meeting Hobbs and seeing a mushroom forest was the most incredible thing to ever happen to me. My only regret was leaving Hobbs behind to the fate of the elves. Eyes tired and heavy, it wasn't long before I fell asleep. My dream was of smoke and fire. A heavy black cloud shrouded the streets of a burning city. People ran screaming from loved ones who had the same terrible blackness in their eyes and scales on their skin as the howling giantess, Grega. Entire families ran and hid, trying to escape the raging horde of crazed family members, neighbors, and friends. In the distance, a crumbling temple exploded into a geyser of flame, transforming as it reached its peak. The head of an enormous dragon formed from the flames and bellowed a deafening roar. Its eyes locked on me, its jaws opened wide, and then it launched. I woke, just as the dragon's teeth clamped down on me. Grandpa was kneeling at the opening of the tent, gently shaking my foot to wake me. Oh, hey. Rise and shine. It's time to get ready. The car was packed. I guess that was it. Not exactly how I hoped the adventure would end, but it's definitely something I'll never forget. I hope to come back next year and right my wrongs. Meredith stood on her porch bidding us farewell. I hopped into the passenger seat. Grandpa turned the ignition. What the? Of course something like this would happen just as we're leaving for home. The hood of the car was smoking. Dark clouds of oily smoke rose from what I imagined was the engine. I had to admit, this stroke of bad luck sent a small rush of excitement through me. I started to hope. What happened? No idea. Whenever I open the hood of a car, all I see are questions. Never really cared to get my hands dirty working on cars. So, now what? Now I guess you'll get your wish after all, Everick. If only for a little while longer. Mind if we use your phone? We have to get a mechanic to come and have a look at it. Inside? I was bursting with joy! What luck! Sure, it wasn't so great for Grandpa that he'd have to pay for a mechanic, but now I had a real chance of getting back to the pond to rescue Hobbs! 
Grandpa left Meredith and I outside as you went and called for someone to fix his car. She winked at me. I told you you'd be back before you knew it. Wait a minute. Is this your doing? Hey, Meredith! Your phone's not working! That's strange. I was just using it last night. Let me check. Hmm. Gosh, I'm so sorry, but it looks like something chewed on the line. How far is the nearest gas station or motel? It would be a long walk, but if you left right away, you'd get to Hal's Diner by late afternoon. He owes me a favor, so if you need to spend the night, tell him I sent you. And hopefully someone will pick you up along the way and give you a lift. It's no trouble for Everett to stay here with me while you're gone. You okay to wait here for me, Everett? I should be back by tomorrow. Of course. I'll pack you a few supplies, a flashlight, and a hunting knife, just in case. I wished my grandpa good luck and watched him walk down the road and out of sight. I hoped he'd be okay. I turned to Meredith once he was gone. I know you likely have questions, but before anything else, you need to get some rest. You look like you're going to pass out on the spot. We'll talk more after you've rested. As much as I had questions to ask and stories to tell, I couldn't argue with the facts that I was completely exhausted. A power nap would do me good. <laughs> I woke five hours later. I'll call that an extended nap. The pain in my head was gone. My stomach growled so I grabbed a bite to eat. Meredith sat in the kitchen table drinking tea. She smiled as I walked in, sipping from her cup. Good afternoon. Have a good sleep? Sure did. So tell me, did you sabotage my grandpa's car and cut the phone line? I can understand why you'd think that, but I had nothing to do with it. That's the thing about this place. Things happen for a reason. So you might want to make every moment count if you intend to get your friend out of trouble. How do you know about that? A bird told me. Zell? Although he finds me annoying, he tells me things sometimes. He wouldn't admit it, but I think he secretly enjoys my company. He's kind of creepy. What's in the backpack on the table? Your adventure kit, of course. There's food, water, flashlight, and a blanket. I'm going out on a limb and guessing whatever is going on here doesn't want your grandpa to interrupt. So I expect him to be away for a couple of days. Don't worry, he'll be alright. Wow, thanks! A few days ago, the most thought-provoking question I would have considered would have been how to make girls like me. Now I'm sitting at a kitchen table with an aunt I never knew existed, contemplating the true nature of the world. Meredith placed a comforting hand on my shoulder. I know it's a bit too much to take in all at once, but the forces at work here wouldn't have chosen for you to stay a while longer if you weren't needed. I can't help but feel if Zell hadn't stopped me, I could have helped Hobbs escape the soldiers. As the keeper, Zell only did what he believed was required of him. The channel is something of the extraordinary power. With it comes both responsibility and the potential of danger. My advice is to listen to Zell. He's a wise old bird. But now let's get you fed so you can be off. You've got a troll to rescue! After eating a large meal and packing a few extra treats, I brushed my teeth, took a hot shower, and was ready to set off. I was excited to be camping out in the woods on my own, and even more excited to visit the pond again. Meredith wished me luck as I marched into the woods. You've returned! Just following orders from an invisible force orchestrating my place in the universe. No big deal. Don't let it get to your head. I found several candles in the backpack and I lit one of them to give myself a little bit of extra light to go by. Although the afternoon sun was still high in the sky, the cave was still a little dark. Then I unrolled my sleeping bag onto the ground and placed my food supply onto it. I looked up at Zell. 
Any advice before I give this another go? Next time, bring me a dead squirrel. Hard pass. The channel switched on. This time, instead of showing a mushroom forest, I was brought to a place completely different. No mushrooms, no swamps, no dragons, no rampaging giants. It was a kingdom that seemed to go on forever. It was medieval, but refined. I was astonished. I watched as customers haggled with shopkeepers. Kids ran up and down cobblestone streets, rogue priests milling around cathedrals, and a mother cradling her child on a balcony. And at the highest peak sat a palace that would even put Disney to shame. It was full of people. It was a city of elves. It was a beautiful day full of beautiful elves having a beautiful time. Right up until I accidentally sneezed and caused a sudden squall to drench everybody. Oops. Not bad. All right, Pawn. Bring me to Hobbs. The next thing I knew I was inside a dungeon cell. Even without physically being there, I knew it felt cold. It was wet and dark. The sound of a chain rattled nearby. It was Hobbs. He sat with his back against the wall, hands and feet chained to the floor. He looked like the fight was completely gone out of him. It was such a pitiful sight. Hobbs! Hobbs, are you okay? I've come back for you. Why bother? Come on, Hobbs. Don't give up yet. That's when I noticed a smear of blood on the wall against his back. They whipped him! I couldn't believe the cruelty! How could they do this to you? What could you have possibly done to deserve this? You mean besides being a runaway slave? I don't know. Why don't you tell me since you're the one who put my people here in the first place? What are you talking about? They call us Darklings. <laughs> when you first showed up in my home and started wreaking havoc, I admit I had no idea what the heck you were. Just a big, dumb, invisible ogre who'd eventually get bored if I paid him no mind. But to contend with a dragon, to control the land and wind itself. I know who you are. Zell, I thought you said you never let anyone use this before. Correct. To my knowledge, nobody in the history of this channel has ever visited Ordica. Hobbs, I'm not whoever it is you think I am. Liar! At least tell me whatever you think it is that I did. This is stupid. I'm telling you, you've got the wrong guy. You're the reason I look this way! My people weren't always trolls. We were dark elves. Before being hideously disfigured, the Shadow Marsh is our home. Linway was our home. The war left it in ruins. The day dwellers hated us. To be fair, we didn't like them much either. It was dark versus light, day versus night. Why did you go to war? Because the Prince of Linway was a boggle brains and fell for a day dweller from a noble family. Every Dark Elf and Day Elf know what happens when you stay in your neighbor's kingdom for too long. She started going crazy. The Prince thought he could prevent it. The fool. And that's what you get with the upper class. They think they can get away with anything. Her family were frothing at the mouth demanding her return. And that was all the excuse their king needed to declare war against us. It went on for months because we had the advantage of staying in the dark during the day. We were winning. They had no choice but to retreat every so often into sunlight, or else risk mutating. If you were winning, then what happened? You did! Just as victory seemed within our reach, the mushrooms began to move. 
Mushrooms were ripped from the ground with terrifying force. Sun poured in from the sky at every angle. Soon the entire kingdom of Linwei was exposed to the day. Fires erupted everywhere as the light touched, and that leveled the playing fields. Our city was in ruins. Our spirits crushed. We lost. And after that, they gathered us up, chained us together, and herded us into pens like beasts. They made us into slaves and used us for labor. And after a few days, we began to change. It was painful, and it was slow. Our pale blue skin turned to deep shade of purple with black welts. Most of our hair fell out, and our nails cracked and curled. That's when we turned into trolls. Most lost their minds during the mutation. But they weren't going to get me to crack. Naming us Darklings was just another insult to the pile. No, because of you! Talk about some hardcore history. That would explain why you didn't turn to stone. I'm so sorry for what happened to your people, but I'm not the one responsible. I had nothing to do with the war. I've only just discovered this place. Oh, none of it matters now. Just go away and let me die in this wretched place alone. Hobbs, I'm gonna fix this. I promise I'll make things right by you. Someone approaches. You, Darkling, you're coming with me. Hobbs was taken away to a crowded public hearing chamber. Soldiers stood on each side of him within a side room. At the moment, there was someone else having an audience with the king. It looked like a medieval courtroom, with the king on his throne granting favors or dispensing justice. It was big enough to hold hundreds of people. The king had a young, handsome face with a short, trim beard the color of the afternoon sun. Two knights and a gaudy-looking advisor stood nearby him. A family of elves were ending their audience with the king, looking happy about the outcome. His Majesty, King Aldrin IV, now accepts Nova, leader of the Wolf Tribe. The hall went silent at the mention of the Wolf Tribe leader's name. Even the king sat up a little straighter. From out back of the room walked in a tall, slender woman with pale skin and dark hair. She had red, intricate tribal markings on her face. She moved with calculated precision. She wore a long, dark brown cloak. She was really pretty, but kind of intimidating. She knelt down on one knee before the king. You've come a long way, Nova. It has been many years since a representative of your tribe has visited the capital. I was just a young man, in fact, when your ancestor, the White Wolf himself, first visited a little more than four hundred years ago. Thus, I welcome you to our kingdom child of the white wolf. Four hundred years ago? The king looks younger than my dad. A long-lived race the elves must be. The same might very well be for the troll. I wondered how old Hobbes was. How long ago was the war he described? Was it possible it could have happened hundreds of years ago? Thank you, your majesty. I am grateful for your time. Now, what does one from the reclusive wolf tribe seek from the king? Three months ago, a storm began to stir. My people are used to the Norse harsh weather, but this storm proved to be more than just that. Our previous leader was the first to discern the storm's true nature before she passed away. Before her passing, she instructed me to seek help. Tell me of this storm. How do you believe the kingdom of Faramir can be of assistance? 
This storm is a threat to more than my people alone. The very fate of Vortica itself may be at risk. Ha! Tell us, Wolf Girl, do you truly believe these petty concerns about bad weather is worth the king's time? What is it that you want from us? A supply of leather skins to reinforce your primitive huts? Thalanos, that is enough. Forgive me, my king. I speak only because fantasies about dangerous northern storms are surely beneath you. No, my courts are open to any who believe they are in need, and I will listen to all of their concerns before I make a decision. You are too kind, sire. Nova, why do you believe this storm to be a threat to us all? Nova hesitated, taking a deep breath. Dragons! The room burst into a nervous chatter. I was reminded of what happened in the mushroom forest. A dragon did snatch up Hobbs. I wondered if this was connected somehow. Silence! Your Majesty, surely this sort of rubbish is beneath you. The very idea of a dragon threat is utter madness. What's your angle, girl? Please listen. I wouldn't have journeyed all this way to waste your time. The threat is real, and I've seen them with my own eyes. Heard the roars above Mount Etzilla. The volcano has been dormant for as long as tales have been told, but something has changed. Dark creatures emerge from it. Their cries thunder day and night. We've sent a scouting party to gather information, but they came back. Different. They're overcome with rage, their eyes black and skid covered in scales. Those are quite the claims. What would you have me do? There is a legend among my people. When the Dragon King rises, salvation will come from the south. I traveled here because I believe the answers lies with you, Your Majesty. Who besides the most powerful kingdom in all of Ortica could possibly face this threat and survive? Whatever this dragon blight is, it has to be stopped before it's too late. Hmm. I have no doubt you truly believe in what you are saying. Unfortunately, I cannot be spreading my forces thin on the superstitious hunch of a tribal woman. The risk of a barbarian assault from the West is ever-present. My apologies. I simply cannot spare the troops. Your Highness, you must! Silence! It's my turn to speak. The fact that the leader of the wolf tribe herself has come bearing this message assures me that there may indeed be a sort of threat in the North, a possible plague even. But dragons have been extinct for a thousand years. I thank you for your warning, Nova. We will remain on guard for signs of plague. But I'm sorry. I cannot help you. By the time the plague reaches your borders, it'll already be too late. The king's expression remained rigid. His decision was final. He watched as the leader of the wolf tribe disappeared into the crowded room. <laughs> felt sorry for Nova. Being the leader of a warrior tribe, it couldn't have been easy to ask for help. If only the king knew how right she was. I've seen it for myself. Citizens of Faramir, His Majesty King Aldrin IV shall now act as judge in the trial of a darkling. We ask that you remain silent as poor conduct will not be tolerated. They're bringing him the trial. And you will not interfere. But... I realize this upsets you, but your inexperience and lack of finesse will get people hurt. How exactly do you expect to free the troll in the first place, hmm? Well, I, um, I don't know yet. Exactly my point. 
Good intentions are not enough. Are you willing to put the lives of every innocent person in that place at risk to save a single one? I shook my head. As much as I hated it, Zell was right. This wasn't the Wild West. I couldn't just run in guns blazing and make a mess of things. No one other than the king was responsible for what was happening to Hobbs. It would be horrific if I accidentally brought the ceiling down on all of them. I told myself that when the time was right, I would be ready. Guards lined up, creating a straight path for Hobbs to follow. I thought it was kind of ridiculous to go to this extent for one troll. What could they have expected him to do? His hands and feet were shackled together, and he had been nearly beaten senseless. Or maybe they already knew that, and only wanted to put on some kind of spectacle. I was finding myself more and more annoyed with the elves. Hobbes was brought to stand before the king. And what do we have here? A darkling who's forgotten his place? A fugitive on the run but incapable of surviving outside the king's hospitality? And now you've come crawling back like the filth you are. Sire, please, this cretin can't possibly be worth your time. He will receive a trial. No one shall be judged without being heard, darklings included. This one has managed to remove his brand, your majesty. All that's left is a scar on his arm. Is that so? Very well. Let us proceed. Soldier, give me your report on how you discovered him. Uh, we were on patrol duty, sire. Uh, we found this darkling lying unconscious in the grass along the border of the Shadow Marsh. We immediately escorted him to the dungeons. And by the looks of the wounds on his back, I'd say someone has already taken the liberty of punishing before being tried. That is not the way we do things here. Whoever's responsible will answer to me later. So, tell me, Darkling, what were you doing outside the camps? Living. Watch yourself, Darkling. You are addressing the king. Does his majesty not keep you fed? Give you a place to lay your head? There's no quality of life in slavery. May I remind you that it was your kind who brought this upon yourselves. You should be thankful that his majesty allows you to even breathe the same air as we do. Darkling. You are aware for the punishment of this crime. Let me extend you an olive branch. Tell me how you escaped the camps. And if you're involved in a plot against the kingdom, it would be in your best interest to agree to reveal the names of who you're working with. <laughs> how generous of you. King Gravelcrag, for all I care. No need to fear a rebel alliance. We're a broken people and lost the fight a long time ago. You're wasting your time. Careful now. My patience has its limits. I will not stand for your arrogance while I give you the chance to repent of your sins. Uh, what do I care? I know where I'm going to end up no matter what I tell you. You know what? You want to know how I got out? It's no big secret. Your guards are incompetent. A hundred of us could have snuck out of there if they had any fight left in them. Now, I suggest... You listen carefully. I have allied myself with a god. And if you don't let my people go, this entire palace will come crumbling down on itself before you can say Shalama Lama Ding Dong. My patience is wearing thin, Darkling. Are you testing me? Comply to my terms or face my wrath. I've heard enough. Guards, away with him. 
All right, you asked for it. Oh no, Hobbs is expecting me to. Howling storm quake! Complete silence. The kind of silence that makes you wish you were somewhere else. From the corner of his eyes, Hobbs peeked from side to side, his arms still stretched out in the air in a ridiculous pose. Oh, I felt guilty. He was expecting me to back him up and bust him out of there just like I said I would, only to be left hanging. How could I explain to him that a talking bird was holding me back? The entire room burst into an uncontrollable laughter. They heckled and threw insults at him as he looked to the sky, betrayed. He yelled out in a rage. What? What is it? Is this your big plan? You're going to abandon me when I need you most? You got me into this mess. I was perfectly happy before you ruined my life. Silence. It's obvious you're as mad as the others. You're a risk to those around you. Guards, escort this darkling to the dungeon and prepare the courtyard for a public execution. It will be my pleasure, your majesty. Word of an execution must have spread fast, because in no time at all the town square was full of elves. Friends and entire families came together to witness the event. It was kind of morbid, to be honest. I have expected to see someone eating popcorn. Hobbs was paraded out to a tirade of vegetables and insults. They marched him up the platform to where the executioner stood carrying a massive axe. There was no more fight left in him. He never looked more defeated. Citizens of Faramir, today we rid ourselves of another upstart darkling. You all remember the war, do you not? Who started it? We could have slain every last one of them, but we showed them mercy when it was within our right not to. Let this darkling serve as an example to those who would dare conspire against the kingdom. Any last words? <coughs> Off with his head! That was the moment everything Zell said to me went flying out the window. I didn't care if I lost my prom privileges. I couldn't stand by a moment longer and let them chop Hobbs' head off. Whatever happened next, I would live with the consequences. The executioner raised his axe. I raised my fists, but just as I was about to bring them smashing down, a white wolf with red markings launched onto the platform and bit the executioner's arm. Its jaws latched on tight and with a whip of its head, smashed him into the other guards, sending them flying into the crowd. If you value your life, then I suggest you get on. I don't know what's going on, but you don't have to tell me twice. Stop! By authority of the king, I command you to surrender and come quietly. It's you! Realization dawned on me. It was Nova. She was a shapeshifter. Whatever else the elf was going to say was cut short because she launched at him. The slimy advisor tried to deflect the attack with his blade, but she was too quick and bit down on his wrist. He screamed in agony, trying desperately to escape. Then, from atop the wolf's back, Hobbs swung his fist and let him have it straight in the face, knocking him unconscious. The king's advisor wouldn't look so splendid with a crooked nose. The crowd scattered in a panic. I watched as the wolf lunged from the stage and into the crowd, Hobbs holding on tightly to her thick white fur coat. She was as fast as anything I had ever seen. Moving with lightning speed, she dodged arrows that were being fired at her from the city walls. Didn't the soldiers care there were other people around? It was like they'd risk anything to stop a troll in its tracks. 
Three of the guards intercepted their path. The first guard lunged with his polearm, but she sprung onto its shaft and launched herself over the top of his head, landing on top of the second guard and knocking the wind out of him. The third swung his blade, hoping to catch her by surprise, but her reflexes were out of this world, and she dodged it easily, biting and disabling his sword arm. It wasn't long before more guards came running out of the barracks and circled the perimeter, trying to block their escape. The fastest way out was to fight their way through the northern gates, which at the moment was swarming with guards. The only way through would be to fight them head on. She brandished her fangs, Hobbs holding on tight. Unfortunately, the guards were prepared, and at the last moment, closed the enormous iron gates and trapped them. She hesitated. Things were starting to look bad. Nova fought off the guards as long as she could, biting and jumping over them, until both she and the troll were backed into a dead-end street against the city walls. She was tenacious, especially when cornered, fighting like her life depended on it. But she had nowhere to go. I knew what I had to do. It was now or never. I raised my fists in the air, and with a cry of defiance, I brought them smashing down on the ground around the pond. Suddenly, as one of the guards lunged at them, a tremor shook the ground beneath them. All the guards could do was try to maintain their balance as they fell to their knees. I focused my mind so that the falling debris wouldn't hurt anyone. The effort made me sweat. I concentrated on the wall behind Hobbs and the wolf, willing it to crumble. I started to feel dizzy, and darkness began forming around the corners of my eyes. I had to keep it together. If I failed now, they wouldn't stand a chance. One more time, I raised my fist and slammed them against the rock, yelling and mentally pushing with all my might for the wall to come down. To Nova's astonishment, a moment later, the wall behind her gave way to rolling hills of grass. Without missing a beat, she jumped over the crumbled stone and escaped into the clearing beyond. My head throbbed with a splitting headache. I felt weak, but I smiled in triumph. I did it. I saved them. Then I passed out. I woke up some time later. I felt dizzy. I had a headache. I rubbed my eyes, giving myself a minute to get my head on straight. So he lives to see another day. Oh, what happened? I would caution you not to overdo it. Next time you may never wake up. I could have died? Quite so. I suspect if you kept it up any longer, I would be enjoying a midnight snack right about now. No way. You wouldn't have eaten me. Maybe just the eyes. At first, truly, I would consider it a privilege to be digested by such a distinguished fellow as myself. Gee, thanks. If you ever kick the bucket, I'll have you deep fried and dipped in honey garlic. How barbaric! Uh, I guess this means I'm banned from the pond. It would be within my right. But I must admit, it was quite an impressive display. Very well. You can stay. Awesome! Thank you! So, can you tell me what happened while I was out? Since fleeing the elven city, the wolf ran like a devil until under the cover of the forest. They've completely evaded their pursuers and are now at rest. Sure enough, 
Nova and Hobbs had stopped to drink from a stream. The troll's hands and feet were still shackled, and he rubbed the areas irritating his skin. I don't know whether I should be grateful or afraid for you saving me. If you're worried that I might eat you, then don't. You don't look particularly appetizing. Then why did you save me? Nova stretched, and within seconds transformed and stood up on two legs. She was human again. It was so cool. I believe, maybe, you're the one I was sent to find. Me? What business do I have with some crazy wolf lady? I never would have harmed those elves if I didn't believe you were important. Believe me, I'm grateful, but please, enlighten me as to why I'm so worth the trouble. After being denied the king's help, I had a feeling I should stick around a while longer. I didn't know what I was waiting for until you jumped up and began screaming like a lunatic about a god. It wasn't until you cursed the god for forsaking you that I knew you were telling the truth. It was all over your face. The expression of true abandonment. The same that I felt inside when I thought I had doomed my tribe for failing to convince the king to help us. There is a legend among my people about a god who once battled and defeated the dragons. I think I was mistaken when I believed it was for the king's help I was meant to seek. But if the Skycaller has allied himself with you, then maybe you're the one I need. I felt a weird feeling in my stomach. She thought I was a god? Some story. But it's wasted effort. There's no one else here but me. Time for my grand entrance. Focusing on the chains on Hobbs' hands and feet, I cracked my knuckles and the troll's shackles fell off like magic. Hobbs stood staring dumbfounded at the unlocking handcuffed act. A huge grin spread across Nova's face. Maybe my gamble paid off after all. Oh, so now you show up! Who do you think busted you out of that city? Walls don't crumble by themselves. Way to step in at the last possible moment. Talk about cutting it close! Is he speaking to you now? If by speaking you mean showing off and being annoying, then sure. Don't you hear him? No. What does he say? Something about being a ninny. Oh, and that he also opened that hole up in the wall for us to escape or something like that. Thank you, mighty Skycaller. I shall be forever in your gratitude. I blushed. This was getting weird. But it was interesting to find out that only Hobbs could hear my voice. Knowing that would make things a bit easier. I wouldn't have to whisper to him anymore in crazy situations. That's great. You like him, he likes you, you're crazy, he's a show-off, so together you can prance off away from here and I'll get on with my life. Everybody's happy. How can you speak of him this way? Do you not fear his wrath? Ever hear of the destruction of Linway? It was the Skycaller who helped the Day-Dwellers bring us to ruin. Why should I pretend to like him? I'm unfamiliar with this story, but the Skycaller of my people is a vanquisher of evil. He brought peace to this world with the defeat of the Dragon King ages ago. How valiant of him, but it doesn't change the fact that my people have been living as slaves for hundreds of years. So excuse me if I want to get rid of this wart scratcher. I was starting to get angry. How could I convince Hobbs that I had nothing to do with that? As if reacting to my emotions, the sky above the pair grew dark and it began to thunder. Hobbs, I'm 13 years old. Why would I try to help you now if hundreds of years ago I helped those other elves defeat your kingdom? A time before I was even alive. It had nothing to do with me. I want to help you. Somehow, I want to help set your people free. 
What is he saying? Something... Something I find hard to believe, but he wants to help make things right. All right, Skycaller. I, I don't know how you intend to pull it off, but if you mean it, then I suppose I'll let you hang around. Nova watched the exchange with awe. Her expression was a mixture of wonder and longing. I bet she wished she could hear me too. Hmm, I had an idea. I leaned in close to the water and blew gently over the surface. Nova's expression transformed as a breeze embraced her, ruffling her hair and tickling her skin. She smiled huge, raising her arms to the sky and laughing like a girl whose father had picked her up and gave her a twirl. It felt good to give her that moment. He truly is with us. You should see what he did to my house. I've never imagined in all my life that the legend of Skycaller was real. As is Harold, please tell me your name. Um, just call me Hobbs, I guess. Please, Hobbs, I beg of you, as the Herald of the Skycaller, you may be the only one with this power to put the dragons back to sleep. Even as we speak, they rise from the bowels of Mount Astala. It's only a matter of time before they come for all of Ortica. No can do. Thanks for saving me and all that, but I've already had my slice of dragon pie and I'm full. I've seen a lot of things in a Shadow Marsh, but never something like that. I'm not risking my hide just to be lunch. Enough with the theatrics! Then you know what is at risk. This is what the King failed to understand. If we don't put a stop to this, imagine what will happen. Once everyone is consumed by Dragon Madness, who will be left to stop them? If the Skycaller is for us, then who can stand against us? Hobbs, I can't explain it, but I think this is what we were meant to do. This must be why I'm here. You gotta be kidding me. Why am I the one who has to get stuck with a Horkle Snork Sky Dummy that wants to save the world? I just want to eat my stew. Oh, fine. The only reason I'm doing this is because I know if I don't follow you, this Crag Nugget will haunt me for the rest of my life. Hobbs grumbled, then got to work setting up camp. They would need to rest and regain their strength. I bid them good night with a warm breeze. My, my. The boy wants to battle dragons. Seems you've gotten yourself into something quite serious. Any idea on how you're going to achieve this feat? The truth? I was completely out of my league. It sure felt good to act heroically, but was I making a mistake? Did I have it in me to take on dragons? I reminded myself that I was brought here for a reason. I silently hoped that there was someone out there looking out for me the same way that I was looking out for Hobbs. I soon grew tired. I decided to rest while the others were camping for the night, because the next day, I could be battling dragons. <laughs> woke up the next morning feeling sore. I wasn't used to sleeping on a hard surface, regardless of having a sleeping bag. When I looked up at his perch, Zell was nowhere to be seen, likely looking for something to eat. I turned my attention to the pond. Good morning, you two. I sent a gentle breeze to stir around them. Nova acknowledged it with a smile, while Hobbs grumbled something crankily. The troll was barely awake, dragging his feet slowly behind Nova with a look on his face of someone who positively despised mornings. 
I decided I would help liven him up a little. From a large tree standing directly above him, I encouraged every leaf to bend downward and let the morning dew drip off. With a little razzle-dazzle, I pulled every water droplet together as they fell to form a much larger one, which landed and exploded on top of Hobbs's head. <laughs> Nova turned on her heels as if expecting an enemy ambush, only to be greeted by a very sour-looking troll drenched from head to foot. She laughed as Hobbs trudged straight past her without saying a single word. He was definitely awake now, Soon, the pair came upon a river. We'll keep to the forest and avoid any roads as we travel north. We'll have a better chance of not being seen. You do realize that anywhere I go, I won't exactly receive a welcoming party, right? Nobody likes a troll. True. Most are pretty violent and unfriendly. Even if they don't know you're a darkling, it's only reasonable that others be cautious of you. Don't call me that. It's insulting. Sorry. We need to find a cloak to conceal your appearance. If we follow this river, we may be able to find a village where I can get you one. Why don't you turn into a wolf again so we can make better time? It's better that I conserve my energy. Yesterday took a lot out of me. If I overdo it, it will only delay us longer. They walked as they reached a small lumber town 40 minutes later. Log cabins were housed on each side of the river. They stopped far enough away in case the villagers noticed Hobbs. Wait here. I'll go into town and see what I can find. I'll be back soon. I want to thank you for doing this, Hobbs. I know you're not sold on the idea. I didn't really have a choice. Why? Number one, if I turned away and went back to the Shadow Marsh, the elves would come looking for me. After the mess you both caused in Faramir, they'll definitely think I'm up to something now, like a rebellion. If they wouldn't have cared if a single darkling got away on his own. But now that some shape-shifting leader of a wolf tribe looks to have allied herself with me, they'll definitely think I got something big brewing. Those bunch of proud dirt gobblers. Even if I wanted to go back now, they would hunt me down forever. I have to find a new home now, a lot farther away from there. And secondly, I really want to stick it to the elves. You promised to help my people escape, and I'm going to hold you to your end of the bargain. Don't worry. I won't let you down. A loud roar pierced the sky coming from the direction of the village. From behind a huge log cabin, a sleek black dragon launched into the sky. It circled the village once before roaring again and soaring away. It's a dragon! Uh, 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 what? A dra dragon? We've got to get down there and help Nova. She could be in trouble. Right. With little encouragement from a snap of a tree branch to the rear, the troll ran towards the danger more than a little unsure of himself. Quietly, Hobbs crept up behind a log house and peeked around a corner to scope out the situation. There was nobody in sight, but I could have sworn it sounded like something was being pounded on. Hobbs moved deeper into the town, and what he saw made my heart jump into my throat. At the other end of the village, a mob of about 60 elves were gathered around a building, violently hammering on the door and walls with closed fists and clawing at the windows. Their eyes were dark as coal, and black scales grew on their flesh. This had to be the dragon's doing. Whatever it was, it was causing people to lose their minds and become swallowed by rage, just like what Nova said happened to their scouting party. It might have something to do with that black mist the dragon blew into Grong's face. I had a really bad feeling about this. What horrified me most was the fact that nobody was unaffected. 
Fathers, mothers, kids, the elderly, even random house pets were totally consumed and left without reason. They gnashed their teeth, oblivious to one another except for what they were hungry for. Whatever was in that building, they craved it. I had a bad feeling about who might be inside. The fortunate thing is that nobody could see me. I wasn't really there in the first place, so I could go anywhere unimpeded. It was no trouble for me to check who was in there. Inside, a frightened Nova was shoving furniture against doors and windows, doing whatever she could to keep the horde out. The door creaked and windows shattered under the pressure of the onslaught. She didn't have much time before one of them forced their way inside. I hurried back to Hobbs and explained the situation. Why don't you just blast them all to pieces with your powers? No, I can't just kill these people. There's got to be another way. Well, I'm definitely not running in there. It was obvious Hobbs had never done a heroic act in his life. Life had made him reclusive, bitter, and angry. He was happy not to care for anyone and content that nobody cared for him. It must have been a sad and lonely existence. I felt sorry for him. I hoped someday you would find happiness. But right now, I couldn't save Nova without him. I got an idea. Let's go over this one last time. What you're saying is, you want me to run to my death. What I want you to do is run into the middle of town, get everybody's attention, and then run into one of the houses. Once everyone chases you inside, jump out of the back window and I'll trap them. How are you going to do that? Why do I feel like I'm going to be savagely torn apart? Don't worry, you'll see. Just make sure to run faster than you've ever run in your life. But what if I get stuck? Or, or what if I can't find a window? Improvise. Oh, right, because I'm the one who can magically tear down walls. As far as Hobbs was concerned, my plan was the death of him. To be fair, even I wasn't sure if I'd be able to pull it off without passing out from exertion. But I decided it was worth a shot. Nova's life was at risk. Hobbs made a mad dash into the village center and started jumping up and down and waving his arms. <laughs> the horde of infected townspeople reacted as I hoped they would. Hobbs immediately drew their attention. As one, they took off at a sprint. Their howls sent a chill through me. Hobbs had already began running away before the first one had already turned around. He burst through the front door of a two-story home and fled upstairs. Three quarters of the villagers followed him inside. The rest, they were intent on getting to Nova. Hobbs frantically barricaded himself inside a room upstairs, hoping to hold off the horde long enough to let him jump out of a window and get a head start. Well, that was the plan. The horde had other ideas. Before he had a chance to secure anything, people were already pushing their way in. Hobbs pushed back against the barricade, but the sheer force of the amount of people on the other side was more that he could dream to stand against. I'm going to die! The door burst wide open, pushing everything aside and causing Hobbs to fall on his back. His eyes were wide with fear. Luckily for him, he had me on his side. The first of the villagers lunged at him, only to have the floor ripped out from under them. Hobbs' wide-eyed stare was now one of amazement as he watched infected after infected run at him only to fall through a hole in the floor. Hobbs! The window! Without another wasted second, the troll sprang to his feet and jumped out the upstairs window onto a patch of grass below. That's it! I'm out of here! I'm getting too old for this! Now it was my turn. 
Once everyone was in, I slammed the door and windows shut. Taking from a pile of logs nobody was using at the moment, <laughs> I started to barricade and box everybody in. Giant logs floated through the air as easily as a leaf in the wind. Each time someone tried poking one of their heads out of a window, I gave them a little boop on the noggin and gently pushed them back inside. By the end of it, I was confident nobody was getting out of there. That was one threat dealt with. They wouldn't be able to hurt anyone from inside there this way. I went looking for Nova. The door was wide open. The windows were shattered. The infected had broken in. Inside, a great white wolf fought like a demon for its very survival. But I could see Nova was hurt. She was cut and bloodied from where they had gotten a hold of her. I had to admit, despite the bad situation, the sight of Nova in battle wolf mode is just so cool! Nova couldn't hear me, so this was going to be tricky. It was time to live up to the Skycaller name. Breathing in as deeply as I could, I exhaled hard onto the pond. The resulting hurricane ripped through every opening of the building and smashed into the villagers, sending them slamming unconscious into the walls. Meanwhile, I had created a protective turtle shell around Nova with broken bits of wood that shielded her from harm. Once it was safe, she poked her furry head out and smiled in a way only a wolf would smile. I led Nova to safety by blowing a trail of leaves to guide her to Hobbs. He stood by the river next to a small boat, flailing his arms in the air trying to get her attention. But that's not the only one whose attention he got. A few of the infected had woken up and were back in pursuit. Hobbs launched a boat into the water as Nova climbed inside, returning to her human form. I helped give them a boost with a gust of wind. We made it! Sadly, the infected townspeople still came. Whatever this dragon madness was, it was all-consuming. One after the other, each one of them jumped into the water, only to be pulled under by the strong current and drowned. Whatever was happening to people needed to be stopped. I swore in that moment I would do whatever it took to take down the Dragon King. From far in the north, from the depths of Mount Atsilla, the Dragon King sat on his throne of fire and brimstone, sensing the familiar and subtle shift in the atmosphere. His nostrils flared as he breathed in the scent of ancient power, the power of the Sky Caller. Yeah. Once Hobbs and Nova were far from the village and safe from harm, I allowed myself a moment's rest. All that whack-a-mole took a lot out of me. Before I knew it, I had dozed off to sleep. I stood in the midst of a burning city. Debris littered the streets. Buildings collapsed and erupted into flames. Homes and storefronts were reduced to stone and cinder. There were bodies everywhere. The smoke stung my eyes. It was getting hard to breathe. I started noticing other figures moving around. Terror gripped me as I realized what was happening. All around me were scores of the infected staring me down with those unnerving black eyes. It was the scariest thing I had ever seen. Then out of the darkness came a voice that silenced everything. You cannot hide from me. This is what shall come to pass. Who are you? I am the beginning and the end, the torrential flame that will give birth to a new world. It 
is inedible. Why are you doing this? The heat was unbearable, and I feared it would consume me. Massive flames erupted into the sky. A legion of dragons was born from it. They roared above the burning city. Stop it! You can't do this! From within the mass of circling dragons, the biggest of them all crashed down and landed on top of a temple spire. Its powerful claws dug into the stone, and it craned its neck towards me. Several black spikes protruded its skull and followed down its spine. Its black scales shone as the fiery devastation reflected off their surface. Worst of all, the dragon's eyes bore a terrible darkness that seemed to peer into my very soul. Opening its maw, it launched at me. I woke with a start. I was sticky with sweat. I sat and shook the cobwebs out of my head. Why do you continue to push yourself? The mental effort required to perform these feats seem to be more than you can maintain. What other choice did I have? Oh, man. That really takes a lot out of you. In the end, it matters little to me if you choose to act so carelessly. A meal is a meal. You really scare me sometimes. I'm glad I asked you your name or else I bet you'd have gotten me eaten by now. Perhaps, but it's best not to wallow in sorrow for things that could have been. I decided to step outside for some fresh air. I wondered how Grandpa was making out. He should have made it to the diner by now, judging by the position of the sun. Meredith hadn't sent a messenger to warn me of his arrival. This meant I was still in the green, at least for now. I thought about my dream. It felt so real. And that enormous dragon. This was the second time I had a vision of a city on fire. Now that I visited the elven capital, I recognized the place for what it was. Faramir City. Was this the Dragon King's way of showing me what he intended on doing? Would this become Ortica's fate if I didn't put a stop to it? The thought of the Dragon King sent a chill down my spine. How could I go against something so powerful and massive? What if I couldn't live up to my word and failed? Sure, I wasn't in any physical harm, but the lives of everyone else depended on me. Would I be able to live with myself if they died because of me? I was starting to worry I had made a terrible mistake. Once inside the cave again, I ate some snack. I was so hungry I felt like I could even eat Hobbs' stinky stew, but crackers and peanut butter would have to do. Hobbs and Nova sailed along the river in their little boat. Neither of them spoke. Hobbs was probably shell-shocked from his near-death experience. So, living up to my family name, I thought I would liven things up a little. From out of nowhere, a big rock plummeted from the sky and landed in the water next to Hobbs, creating a big splash that soaked him completely. <laughs> Again with the water? Nova laughed and winced in pain from the wound in her side. How is she doing? He wants to know how you're feeling. I'll be alright. I shouldn't have been so careless. I should have known the dragon's influence would have made it this far. Then it's a good thing I single-handedly trapped all those people in that house, or else you'd have been wolf meat. I splashed Hobbs again. Okay, okay. You helped a little. This is the second time you saved my life, mighty Skycaller. The legends were right when they described your greatness. Thank you. Oh, please. And my thanks to you, too. If not for your bravery, we may not be having this conversation. Oh, sure. So, uh, do you know where we are? No, I'm unfamiliar with this area, but I know this river will take us north if we continue following it. We should reach a place I recognize eventually. What about the dragon? It looked like it was heading in this direction. All we can do is hope it doesn't find us. I'd rather not face a dragon in this condition. 
I thought again about the dreams I was having and decided to tell Hobbs about them. Hobbs listened carefully and then relayed the information back to Nova. This does not bode well. I wonder how many towns are already lost. Those people in the village will likely head straight for Faramir. Better them than us, I say. It seems I brought the message too late. If only the king had listened. Skycaller knows how many have fallen to the dragon's plague. Hobbs looked up as if checking to see if I did. Um, a whole bunch? Yep, we're done for. Your lack of faith continues to surprise me. We have the might of the Skycaller behind us. He defeated the Dragon King before. Hello down there! Nova and Hobbs looked skyward. They sure heard somebody, but they saw nothing. What was that? I don't see anyone. Ahoy! Over here! A little help, please? Wait, what's that in that tree over there? Something's waving at us. It was a rat. It was hiding way up above the river, inside a cluster of leaves in a tall tree. The little gray rat came out of hiding and hung from a branch by not one, but three tails, moving independently of each other. He used them to climb his way closer. He was carrying a red leaf. Who are you and what do you want? The name's Ghetto. This is my friend Henry. We're being chased by a diabolical bird who wants to eat me. Mind saving us? By all means, come down. Tally-ho! Using his three tails, the rat whipped himself off a branch and into the air, performing a double somersault before unfurling his leaf and slowly drifting down to the boat below. Right before landing, he let go of one side of the leaf and dropped into the vessel with much showmanship. Once he was content that the coast was clear, he turned to the trees and yelled, Ha! As though victorious against his foe. Thanks for the lift! That's awesome! You're quite peculiar, aren't you? (laughs) It's a rat. Ghetto appeared to take great offense to this. In a series of acrobatic leaps and jumps, he climbed up one side of Hobbs and slapped him across the face with his three tails and the leaf. Hobbs growled and reached out for him, but the rat was quick and leapt away onto Nova's shoulder. She didn't seem to mind that this little creature took refuge behind her long, dark hair. I am anything but the sort. Rats are disgusting and full of disease. Besides, since when have you seen a rat with three tails? Right now. Well, I'm a burrow. We're three-tailed rodents of the adventuring kind. We never rest because we know there's an adventure right around the corner waiting for us to grab it. In fact, I'm the greatest burrow of them all. Getaway the Great. Your name is Getaway? Mm-hmm. It was the only thing my mother could say to me after giving birth to 40 children. It's somehow stuck ever since. But you can call me Ghetto. Your mother must have been a seer. Actually, she collected squirrel poop. She was a strange woman. Why do you carry a leaf with you? Who? You mean Henry? Why, Henry's my sidekick. Every burrow needs one. Henry has helped me get out of some major pickles. Sometimes quite literally. Didn't you just see how he flew me down here to greet you? He always knows the right thing to do. Okay. Seems the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Since we've helped you, we would appreciate the same in return. Absolutely. We're not familiar with this forest. Can you tell us if there is a village nearby? Yes, I believe so. If we follow this river for a while, get off near a big rock that looks like a plum, then walk through the woods until we reach a clearing, then we'll be heading straight for a perennial. Oh good, I know a perennial. It's a city my tribe has often traded resources with in the past. Once we reach it, I'll know the way back from there. And what's your big plan after that? Are we just gonna charge into the dragon's den and lay down the law? Dragons? You mean you're gonna be going after that big lizard that Henry and I saw flying around earlier? Yes, you should be careful. The dragon blade has spread more quickly than I had hoped, and we must be on guard. So I suggest you find a deep hole to hide inside of until we come back to get you. Huh, I laugh in the face of dragons. 
If you think I'm going to let the both of you walk straight into the mouth of doom without someone to protect you, well, Henry will simply not hear of it. And you cannot give him no for an answer. He's a little sensitive. You hurt his feelings. If it is the Skycaller's will, I will not stop you from coming with us. Please, tell me you're joking. The Skycaller? Who's that? He is the harmonious wind and defender of this world. His spirit is with us now. You're not making this up, are you? How am I supposed to know if he wants me around? Ask him for a sign. If he responds, you will have your answer. Uh, if you say so. <clears throat> Big guy in the sky. Henry and I would love to kick a dragon between its tail. So, um, can we? Please? I knew there was no sense in relaying the message through Hobbs because he would probably lie and tell the answer was no. With a small puff of air, I sent a gust of wind that snapped Henry to life, launching the leaf into the air. Ghetto held on to Henry on each side like a kite and parachuted into the sky, drifting back down gently moments later. I think you just got your answer. Thanks, big wind guy! In a series of jumps and leaps, twirls and pirouettes, dives and rolls, Ghetto and Henry enthusiastically hopped onto the bow of the boat. Hobbs slapped his hand against his face and shook his head in defeat. All right, friends! Onwards to Perennial! <laughs> A shapeshifter, a troll, a burrow, and a leaf journeyed north along the river. It wasn't long before they reached the plum-shaped rock Ghetto instructed them to find. From there, they disembarked and continued their voyage on foot. This part of the woods was peaceful and inviting, the sun shining through the trees at just the right angle to create a perfect movie moment. There was only one problem. We're lost! Ghetto glided down from a tall tree with Henry as a parachute, spinning his tail like a propeller, eventually settling on Nova's shoulder. Never in a million years! All we have to do is find the whiskerberry bush and I'll know exactly where to go. So, we're lost. You don't have to take my word for it. Henry knows his way around here better than anyone. Go on, Henry, tell them. Henry, being a leaf, remained silent. I guess he's feeling a bit shy. Maybe we could pray to the Skycaller to guide us. Wait, no offense and all, but I need to prove to the ugly one here that I do know my way to Perennial, or my name isn't Getaway the Great. I can respect that. We'll do it your way a little while longer. Lead on, little burrow. Ghetto leaned forward from atop Nova's shoulder and sniffed the air. He pointed westward, and the three of them set off in search of the whiskerberry bush. The longer they searched, the more Hobbs complained of being lost. When we finally hit the one-hour mark, the troll simply had enough. Okay, this is getting ridiculous. We're never gonna find... Aha! What did I tell ya? Here it was. The whiskerberry bush. A great big bush, literally full of blue-whiskered berries. A full western-style mustache sprouted from the belly of the berry. All I could think of was... But why? It looks like you owe someone an apology. Yeah, <laughs> Right, from here we take a left down the hill, and we'll be there in a flash. Not so fast! Thought you could steal my whisker berries, did you? Everybody looked up. Perched on a tree branch above them was the strangest looking bird I had ever seen. It looked like something straight out of a cartoon. It was black and red, and its eyes were all crazy light. The tip of its toucan-style beak was stained blue. Was it eating whisker berries? 
Its head twitched every so often. Who, us? The whisker berries are mine! Those are my whisker berries! Be careful, this one's a wily devil. Back, I say! Back before I pluck out your feathers and pepper you with seasoning! Who are you? I am the diabolical bird! The what now? He's the fiend I escaped from by the river! He's been on my tails for days! Henry insisted we avoided the fight, but I knew I should have knocked the stuffing right into him. I could have been eating like a king right now. It looks like the berries have addled the bird's mind. They must be toxic. Delicious, so delicious. And the mild whisker berries, and you can't have any of them. The berries are poisonous. Anyone who knows a thing about whisker berries would know that whisker berry bushes only sprout from the decomposed corpses of whisker snakes. Whisker snakes? Oh, they're wily, they are. They hide behind their huge whiskers, pretending to be a fancy bush. One minute you're adventuring, the next you're hypnotized by those big, beautiful whiskers and gobbled up. I mean, look at them. I had to admit, the berries were sporting a killer mustache. We have no intentions of taking your berries. We're travelers on our way to Perennial City. Lies! You can't play tricks on me! I'm the diabolical bird, master of the whiskerberry bush! You're all full of tricks and lies, and lies and tricks! Okay, I say we leave the delusional pigeon to himself. All in favor? You can't leave unless you give up the rat! Unheard of! And I'm not a rat! What do you want with our companion here? He's a thief! He steals my snacks, and now he comes for my berries. So maybe I snatched up a few nuts here and there while he wasn't looking. Have you ever tried eating soup without any proper ingredients? I have. It's called water. I'm sorry, I can't do that. The burrow comes with us. I don't want a burrow. I want the rat. Give me the rat, or else none of you leave. Again, not a rat. We're leaving now. With a snap of its wing, the diabolical bird squawked and summoned an entire host of identical birds. Suddenly the mood shifted from mild annoyance to real concern. They were afraid of making any sudden movements. Think Henry can get us out of this one? Henry looked to be shaking with fear. No. Hand over the rat. I figured this would be a good time for me to interject. Hobbs, ask them if they like magic. Magic? I think we have more important things to worry about than entertaining fried chickens. That's exactly my point. Just look at them. They're right out of their minds. Try making a wager. If you can impress them, then they might let you go. I'll come up with a little razzle-dazzle on my part. I hope you know what you're doing. Hobbs addressed the birds. Wait, let me all ask you something. Do you like magic? Magic? Look. Hobbs picked up a rock and tossed it in the air, but instead of falling back into his hands, the stone remained floating above his palm. The birds went wild. What are you doing? Just go along with it. Let's make a wager. Ask me to make anything float, and if I can do that, then you have to let us go. If I can't, the rat is yours. How considerate of you. If it were up to me, I'd have left you behind the first time the bird asked. So just be thankful we got a plan. I like this magic. Float anything at all. Anything. The tree. Lift that sleeping tree. 
Hobbs walked over to the fallen tree and placed his hands beneath it. Counting down from three to one, with a mighty lift, the tree began to float. Magic! Woohoo! Magic! Twirl it! Twirl it! All the birds laughed and cheered and passed around whisker berries to each other, blue jelly getting smeared all over their beaks. Hobbs performed his levitating act with showmanship and style, twirling and spitting the log in the air, flexing his muscles and even performing a few pirouettes of his own. At one point, I even lifted Ghetto up onto the log and made him run on it like a lumberjack down a river. Ghetto added to the trick by expertly juggling six pebbles with his three tails at the same time. The birds were losing their marbles. Finally, when I thought they were satisfied and thrilled with the performance, I warned Hobbs and gently let the tree float back to the ground. I like this magic. This magic is good with whisker berries. I've done what you asked. Now, it's time for you to keep your end of the bargain. Yes, yes, go on. But come back soon with magic to make the whisker bearers better. Come back soon, come back soon. Now can you get us to Perennial without getting lost? Easy. Like I said, we were never lost to begin with. And thanks for not turning me over to the fried chickens. We would never think of it. Waving goodbye, the group continued on to Perennial City. They could hear the birds laughing from a mile away stuffing themselves with whisker berries. Perennial City, what I also learned was called the City of Flowers, was impressive. Even if it didn't compare with Faramir in size, the diversity of color was a feast for the eyes. I had never seen so many different kinds of flowers. They were everywhere, along streets, hanging from homes, shops, and windows, and just about any place that flowers would be thought to look pretty. The people were also diverse. Humans, elves, and dwarves intermingled with one another, trading and selling wares, and generally just having a good time. Hobbs waited outside of Perennial until Nova brought him a cloak to disguise himself. People glanced at him suspiciously, but paid him no mind once he had passed. Ghetto, on the other hand, was having difficulty trying not to be stepped on by people walking in the street, so Nova offered to let him sit on her shoulder again. This earned Nova more odd looks for carrying what looked like a rat on her shoulder than Hobbs did concealing himself with a cloak. The group approached a vendor selling fresh fruits and vegetables. The tall, lean man behind the stall gave them a curious look. I'd like to buy two apples and a plum for my companions and I. What's with the cloak? Leprosy. You want a hug? Uh, that'll be three coppers. As they walked down the brick road, Nova and Hobbs enjoyed their apples while Ghetto snacked on a plum. A mother and her daughter were standing in the path. The little girl looked down at a lifeless butterfly with concern. Her mother placed a reassuring hand on her shoulder. Mother, the butterfly is dead. Yes, dear, so it seems. I think it's in heaven, but it left its wings behind. Ghetto hopped down from Nova's shoulder and landed on the ground with the plum under his feet. The mother took a step back at the side of the burrow, but the girl tilted her head and smiled at him. They say an even greater adventure awaits beyond the gates of heaven, and that once you pass through, you're given new wings to explore with. The girl seemed pleased and accepted his answer with a smile. Then her mother took her hand and guided her away from the strange group of travelers. It's getting late. If we walk through the night, we can make it to my village by morning. Do you think that's a good idea? We'd be at a disadvantage if we ran into a dragon in the middle of the night. If that happens, we can just hide under Henry. You have a point. I'm still recovering from last time. I don't know if I would be any good to us against a dragon. 
or against much of anything else for that matter. Let's spend the night at the inn. Oh, it'll be nice to sleep in a real bed again. After all this running around, I deserve a good night's sleep. Well, if anybody is getting a bed, it's me. I haven't enough coin to pay for two rooms. What? Why don't you just turn into a wolf and sleep on the floor? I'm not a dog, but if you want it bad enough, then we can fight for it. Whoever gets their finger broken first loses the bed. Are you crazy? Let's make it a show. We can charge a viewing fee to get us more beds. Come one, come all, and watch a wolf devour a troll in this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Just take the stupid bed. I'd rather sleep in the stables next to a pile of horse dung than put up with this. Later that evening, I found Hobbs sitting under a bridge. He threw a rock, sending ripples through the water, distorting the image of Ortica's two moons. I could never get sick of looking up at Ortica's sky. Hey, Hobbs. How you doing? I feel like I'm living a nightmare. Don't say that. Just think of all the good thing that's happened. You mean being ripped from my home? Nearly eaten by giants? Snatched up by a dragon? Imprisoned and beaten in a dungeon? Nearly getting my head cut off? Being nearly torn apart by dragon-plagued townspeople? And having to save a rat from brain-dead birds? And that's not including the amount of sunshine, flowers, and rainbows I've had to endure. I guess you really have been through a lot. All I want is to go back to my mushroom home and stuff my face with stew. But that'll never happen. The day-dwellers will hunt me down forever. I could get lucky and slip by into the shadow marsh and go deeper than I ever have before. Uh, but the things I live in there will give you nightmares. So it really doesn't matter where I go. Forward, back, I'm a goner either way. I'm sorry I basically ruined your life. I never expected for any of this to happen. Who are you, really? Why do I have to be the one to hear your voice? Like I told you the first time we met, I'm just a boy. My world is a lot more boring than yours. Pah, just a boy. A simple boy doesn't control the wind and do all those fancy tricks that you do. I'm serious. I'm just as scared as you are about facing dragons, especially the Dragon King. I'm not who anyone thinks I am. What I do know is whatever is happening is bigger than all of us. I believe we were all brought together for a reason. Ugh, I'll never understand these things. It's okay. Just promise never to sacrifice a goat in my name. Are you crazy? Any goat that gets killed is going straight into my stew. What I'm trying to say is that I'll be here for you. I promise I'll help you set your people free. Truth be told, at this point, that's the only thing keeping me going. What was that? It sounds like dragons. Let's find the others. What I can tell you is that dragons don't waste time. Hobbs had barely climbed up the bridge before he was nearly blasted by dragon flame. From all over, the dragons swooped in and alternated from breathing fire and spewing black mist. The city of flowers had started to burn. Several homes engulfed in flames lit up the night sky to reveal dozens of dragons circling the city from above. Dwarves, humans, and elves screamed and ran in terror. And then they came. From out of the smoke came running scores of people infected with dragon blight. Their eyes were empty and dark, and black scales spread across their flesh. Nobody seemed to realize what was going on at first. The violence I witnessed was more than I can bear to describe. I watched in horror. This was my dreams. The flames, the smoke, the dragons, the infected horde. Everything was happening just as I had dreamt it. Except... I had no idea how to stop any of it. The city fell into complete chaos. 
People fought off the infected only to be swarmed and viciously attacked by a new batch of fresh horrors. Anybody who were exposed to the dragon's black mist were changed. The dragons dove into the streets, smashing into the ground and released clouds of the black stuff. At first, those caught in it convulsed and fainted, only to wake with classic signs of dragon blight. I had no idea how to stop any of it. I told Hobbs to get back under the bridge and hide. There was no sense sending him into that madness and risk his life. I went on to look for Nova and Ghetto. A great white wolf is protecting people from a mob of infected citizens. Ghetto jumped from infected to infected, scratching their eyes and biting whatever he could sink his teeth into. He was untouchable, moving nimbly around the battlefield like a critter who's mastered avoiding being stepped on. He did all this, all the while being so very careful not to let Henry catch fire. He laughed as an infected dwarf tripped and fell on his face. Now it was my turn to bring the fight. Nova and the ones she protected were backed into a churchyard. She fought them off without fear or hesitation, despite still recovering from her last battle. At that moment, I could see why she was chosen to lead. She was a warrior for the people. I took a deep breath and tried to put out the flames around them. That was a mistake, because it only made things worse. The fire swelled higher. I didn't realize I was only helping feed the flame. I panicked. I put myself in a situation that was now do or die. Nova and Ghetto with those behind her were pushed to their limits and the flames cut off all means of escape. There was nowhere else to go. If I didn't do something about the villagers now, they would all die. From below, the people screamed in fear as I snapped the church steeple in half. Like an enormous ice cream cone, I scooped up all the dragon plagued in sight and planted it in the ground by the fountain to trap them inside. I splashed the water to douse them in flames so they didn't roast in there. When Nova realized what happened, she raised her head and howled at the moon in thanks. The others were way too freaked out to even know where to begin. For now, the temple area was secure, and Nova would soon lead them to safety. However, dragons still wreaked havoc from above. That familiar ache in my head started up once again. I realized I was able to withstand the pain better than I had before, able to push my abilities a little further each time before losing steam. It was like I was developing a muscle. I felt like that was a good sign. The city is lost. Isn't there anything we can do? I'm afraid we cannot. It's beyond even my ability to stop something such as this. I suggest you leave your friends to safety. I looked at the burning city one more time. The raven was right. There was no saving this one. I decided to go back and help lead Hobbs to the others once it was safe. Help! Oh no, Hobbs! I was too late. In the clouds of smoke above, wrapped in a sinister glow, was the silhouette of a dragon carrying a troll in its claws. I willed the pawn to bring me next to Hobbs, but it felt like something was holding me back. It was like I was hitting some kind of mental wall preventing me from using my powers. I had no idea what could be causing it. Stripped of my powers, I was forced to watch my friend be carried away into the northern sky. Now safe from harm, Nova and Ghetto hid in the forest along with dozens of injured survivors. They were visibly shaken, and I was exhausted. Dawn was now only hours away, and the night had taken a lot out of me, both physically and emotionally. I fought back a headache. I wanted nothing more than to lay back and rest to close my eyes and sleep. But I had to resist. Hobbs needed me. 
I failed him. Now, now, boy. You gave it your best shot. Every person in that village would have burned along with the shitty had you not been there. You did a good thing. But I promised Hobbes I would help him free his people. Now they're going to keep being treated as slaves and live miserably. I promised him, and I let him get captured again. I don't think he's going to be given a fair trial wherever he's going this time. Then I suppose there's only one thing left to do. If you're going to sit around and sulk about it, then you might as well set off to get him out of there. Are you serious? Did you not just see how those dragons completely pulverized that city? They're impossible to beat. Well, if that's the case, you might as well pack up and go home. What? You heard me. You practically said it yourself. Why bother trying to save your friend when you're obviously not capable of picking your lip off the ground? Ouch. Talk about a slap in the face. But Zell was right. As long as the clock was still ticking, then the troll had a chance. Sitting around crying about it wasn't going to solve anything. That's if the dragons hadn't already eaten them. My first order of business would be to let Nova and Ghetto know what I intended to do. I just needed to think of a way to get the message across. Luckily, Nova momentarily parted from the group and found a quiet place for herself. Away from distraction, she took up a sitting position with her back against a tree and meditated. I'd never seen her do that before, but it gave me an idea. I took up the same position and concentrated, attempting to bridge the gap between us. Suddenly, after some mental effort, I was no longer in the cave by the pond. I was standing in a dark forest. A thick fog hung in the air. Nova stood across from me, looking confused. It worked! Who are you? This is a little weird, but I'm the Skycaller. You? But you're just a boy. That's what I've been saying. How is all of this possible? The forest. Where are we? You were meditating. I think I linked our minds, but I don't have much time to explain. I need you to listen to me. Hobbs is in danger. The time to face the dragons is now. I'm going after him. But that's within Mount Atzilla, within the lair of the Dragon King himself. After what's happened tonight, I fear their might has grown already too great. Believe me, I know. But I promised Hobbs I would help him. Can't abandon him now. For a boy, you are very brave, or either very foolish. But if anyone can make it out of there alive, it would be the Skycaller. The Dragon King is no ordinary foe. The legends say he fought you with dark magic, and that you almost lost the battle. You just don't strike me as the savior of legend. Are you certain you're prepared for this? I'm ready as I'll ever be. I'm scared, but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, no matter the risk. He needs me. You saved my life many times now. If it's your will, I'll follow you wherever you ask. What would you have me do? I want you to take the survivors back to your tribe and wait for us. What? You intend on going alone? I can't simply stand by while the good fight is being fought. No, I can't live with any more deaths on my conscience. Please, have faith in me. Very well. I will lead them to my village. As long as we do not find it overrun with the dragons and their plague, they will be safe with us. What happened next totally took me by surprise. Nova stepped forward and wrapped her arms around me in a strong embrace. Beneath the smell of smoke and ash, she smelled of lilacs in the morning dew on the first day of spring. Thank you, Everick Skycaller. Your name shall be honored within my tribe for as long as the world breathes. Uh, no problem. We shall await your return. The dreamlike forest evaporated and I found myself sitting back in the cave. Nova was still meditating. I took a deep, calming breath. This is it. 
Be warned. From what I've gathered, the Dragon King doesn't sound like someone you'll want to face unprepared. It's now or never. Leaning over and looking straight into the pond, with as much authority as I could muster, I said, Show me the Dragon King. Far into the north, Mount Atsilla stood like a menacing presence over the land. Black roiling smoke escaped the mouth to form foreboding dark clouds in the sky. It blot out the sun for miles in every direction. The air was thick with acrid fumes that withered all life around it. The volcano shone with dread delight as dragons circled overhead in a terrible dance. Mount Atsilla was a place born of nightmares. The fact the Dragon King was capable of affecting my abilities added a new level of anxiety to the mix. How far did his reach extend? If he could stop me from taking action, what else was he capable of? Why did I feel like I may be walking into a trap? I took a deep breath and tried to clear my mind. Without further hesitation, I willed the pond to take me into the volcano. The smell of sulfur rose into the cave and stung my nose and eyes. The good news was that none of the dragons flying in and out ever noticed I was there. They were completely oblivious to my presence. I breathed a sigh of relief, and down and down I followed huge winding paths through Mount Atsilla. Giant stalactites hung overhead. I had no idea where I was going. Each time I tried to use the pond to zero in on the troll's location, I could sense that same mental block. The Dragon King didn't want to make this easy. I eventually found him inside an enormous chamber filled with dragon eggs. He sat up on a rise surrounded by them. There wasn't a place I could lay my eyes on that didn't have an egg or twelve. The eggs were spiked black and grey and stretched on from one end of the floor to the other. On top of the rise, Hobbs huddled in a corner looking scared and alone. The dragons were probably preparing him to be lunch for the new hatchlings. Hobbs! Hobbs looked up, but then... A different voice spoke to my mind. There you are. I was suddenly whisked away from the room at a staggering speed. I pleaded with the pond to stop, but no matter what I said, it just kept going. The image in the pond soared through the tunnels until I was faced with a giant obsidian door carved into the wall. It was huge. It was easily the biggest door I'd ever seen, and I knew exactly who stood beyond it. The Dragon King knew I was there, and he had summoned me. The gigantic doors opened wide to reveal the throne room of the Dragon King. Enter. The throne room seemed to go on forever. It was massive, with several torch pillars lining the way. I hated to admit it, but I was quivering with fear, trying desperately to stay brave. Reaching the end of the chamber, I came face to face, so to speak, with the Dragon King sitting upon his throne of stone and lava. The Dragon King stood on two legs as thick as tree trunks and carried the posture of a man. His body was huge and muscular, at least ten feet tall, with arms bulging with obsidian armor. He had the head of a dragon and looked like the most monstrous being I'd ever seen. He had black scales with dark eyes. I am pleased you have come. Can you see me? In a matter of speaking, yes. I can taste the fabric of your reality through your actions. I can sense your magic, and through it, 
paint an image for me to lay eyes upon you. Be wary, boy. All is not as it appears to be. Indeed. Your little pet bird seems to grasp the significance of the situation. I'm here for the troll. He doesn't have anything to do with this. Let him go. So demanding. I indeed sense the troll was of some importance to you. It is why I ordered my legion to capture him and bring him here, knowing you would be compelled to rescue him. Now tell me, Skycaller, your accent reveals a great deal to me. You must be Canadian, no? How could you know that? I have lived a long, long time. Earth has been of special interest to me, so I thank you for providing me this opportunity. Someone from Earth defeated you last time, didn't they? <laughs> I cannot be defeated. Oh yeah? Well, last I heard is that you've been gone for an awful long time. It sounds like you were hiding out licking your wounds after getting your butt kicked. Careful, Everlick. If I'm correct, we may want to avoid provoking him if we wish to escape with our sanity intact. Why? What makes him so dangerous to us? I believe he's a traveler. I've never met one personally, and there are tales that tell of beings who possess the ability to travel dimensions through the use of channels, such as this pond. The fear I felt intensified as Zell's words started to sink in. A being like the Dragon King, able to travel to different worlds? This was bad. Traveler. Yes, that's one way of putting it. This may not even be his true form. Whoever he is, he is very powerful, and we should proceed with caution. He may not even be purely physical in nature. What do you mean? He's not entirely spirit, yet not entirely physical. In order to live so long, he must be a hybrid of both. I would imagine that in a different world, he may not even appear as a dragon at all. Your pet bird knows a great deal. I have known many forms over the ages and possess many names. The one I have known longest is that of Zhang Run. Would you believe I was once a simple servant, a slave? to the wills of others. Transcending this existence means one must forge his own path. By turning everybody into bloodthirsty monsters? Sounds to me like you were just hungry for power. Life is more complex than your little mind could ever comprehend. Nothing is ever so black and white. If only you were to live long enough to learn this lesson. If you know I'm not the Skycaller from Legends, then why still kill me? No, you are not Skycaller from ages past. But anyone willing to stand in my way must be crushed. So what, you're not even going to give me a fighting chance? Just strip me of all power and squash me like a bug? You must feel real tough tying my hands together like this. Yes, let me taste your fear. Before I devour your soul! Everick, 
Allow me to perch on your shoulder and lend you my aid. Quickly! Now what? As keeper of the channel, I, the Raven Zell, guardian of Earth, to you I whisper the secrets of Gaia. Zell leaned in close to my ear and whispered a simple incantation I'm bound by secrecy never to reveal. When the words touched my ears, I felt a rush of adrenaline, like the very moment the water touches your skin when you jump in the deep end. I felt like I'd been given my second wind. I had been granted the powers of a keeper. I spoke to the Dragon King. Sorry to break it to you, but history is about to repeat itself. I snapped my fingers and immediately felt the hold the Dragon King had on me let go. What is this? I raised my hand into the air and smashed the rock below me hammer fist style. The Dragon King's lair shook and trembled. The ground cracked and the ceiling split in every direction. What are you doing? Stop this at once! I raised my fists and did it again. This time a chunk of stone fell from the ceiling and landed with a crushing thud in the middle of the throne room. It was collapsing. Now, flee! The Dragon King roared. He fell to his hands and feet and began to change, transforming into a massive black dragon that filled the throne room. Its black eyes seemed to lock on mine despite being in different dimensions. He breathed in and opened his mouth. The back of his throat glowed a crimson orange. Then he exhaled a flame that engulfed the entire room. Steam began to rise from the pond because of the firestorm's intensity. The heat was making it hard to breathe. If I didn't get out of there now, I would roast. With the Dragon King's spell over me broken, I willed the pond to return me to the egg chamber where Hobbs was trapped. The temperature dropped to a bearable level. I found Hobbs huddled up against a wall to avoid being hit by any falling rocks. He anxiously kept watch of the eggs. Hobbs! Skycaller! This place is falling apart! At that moment, the first egg cracked open. Both of our eyes widened in horror, realizing what was taking place. Run! Hobbs quit tiptoeing around the eggs and took off at a full sprint. The eggs cracked all around him. Little black moths jutted out and snapped at the air. Ahead of him, the eggs by the chamber's entrance had already hatched. Little black dragon whelps reared up their heads, growling and snapping hungrily. Like a first-person shooter, I imagined a small cursor in the middle of the pond and started shooting eggs at the whelplings. Hobbs made a break for the exit while I provided cover fire. As the troll escaped, I banged my fist to cause the entrance to collapse and trap them inside. The volcano trembled even harder now. Stalactites from above started breaking loose, falling down and piercing the floor, creating a maze of pillars. I noticed a black shape darting in and out of sight between them. Before I had a chance to warn Hobbs, a black dragon took to the air. The same black dragon from the mushroom forest and the village. Hobbs was caught like a deer in a set of headlights. He stared up at the dragon. Sure, it meant his end. The dragon descended to make a snack out of him. The good news? The dragon was crushed by an avalanche of stone. The bad news? The Dragon King was back. A massive black dragon burst through the wall and smashed the smaller dragon into a pancake. I picked up a giant boulder and smashed it on top of his head, momentarily stunning him. Hobbs, follow my lead! The stalactite pillars had given me an idea. Carefully, I knocked down a series of stalactites to form a staircase going up halfway toward the ceiling. Hobbs stood and stared in awe at the display, then snapped out of it and started running for it. He ran as quick as he could, and once the Dragon King had come to, he made a furious dash to reach him. He smashed through the pillars. He seemed intent on devouring the troll. 
My sides heaved as I struggled to catch my breath. You're exerting too much energy. Just a little more. No, this threat could be the end of Earth itself if we don't put a stop to it here and now. Rest, boy. It's time I take my duties as keeper to the next step. As the Dragon King charged Hobbs, Zell took to the air in a graceful loop above the pond. He cawed as he crescendoed at the ceiling, causing a lava spill to burst open into the cavern. The lava morphed and took the form of a giant raven, twice the size of the Dragon King himself, launching as Zell descended, finishing his loop. He made one last whirl around the pond and perched himself gently onto my shoulder once more. If you ever get the chance to witness a giant lava raven smash into a dragon, I highly recommend it. The raven consumed the Dragon King, burying him under a pool of magma. <laughs> Lava continued to flow from the hole in the ceiling Zell opened up. Thankfully, I had gotten Hobbs high enough in the air to avoid being swallowed up. The only thing disturbing the pool below were the falling rocks. The Dragon King was no more. Zell, you did it! You defeated him! Let us celebrate once your friend has been led to safety. Right. Hobbs, we need to get you out of here before this entire volcano completely caves in. Good idea. Ugh. Hobbs, no! A rock fell from above and struck the troll's head, sending him crumpling motionless to the ground. Hobbs, you need to get up, please. This whole cave is going to collapse and you'll never get out. Everick, I'm sorry, but he's gone. There's nothing else you can do for him now. <laughs> no. I sat looking over the pond watching as the cavern continued to cave in and fill with lava. In the end, after all we went through, I still wasn't able to save Hobbs. The troll was dead. Tears filled my eyes, my heart aching beyond belief. I began to cry. A miracle happened. A single tear fell from my cheek and dropped into the pond. A soft glow formed around the edge and began to radiate light. The water rippled and shimmered, lighting up my face with gentle warmth. Outside of Mount Atsilla, it began to rain. The smoke-polluted sky dissolved as a cleansing rain pierced the toxic fumes. A torrential downfall proceeded to wash away the filth created by the corrupted volcano, making way for life to thrive once again. The light collected itself around Hobbs. It completely encased him, creating a barrier and lifting him off the ground. That was the moment Mount Atsilla reached his breaking point, and the entire volcano came crumbling down. My heart tightened in my chest for fear that Hobbs was going to be buried beneath the rubble, but the light surrounding him kept him completely safe. All around Hobbs, the volcano collapsed, and not a single pebble harmed him. Then, in one final crash, as the light carried Hobbs through the mouth of the volcano, all of Mount Atsilla was reduced to nothing more than a heap of crumbled stone. The light carried Hobbs across the newly cleansed valley and sat him on a hill of sprouting mushrooms. Once the rain stopped, so did the light leave the troll. Hobbs' chest began to rise and fall. He was breathing! He was alive! Unfortunately, the celebration was cut short. From where Mount Atsilla once stood, an eruption of fire exploded from the top of the volcano and a black cloud soared into the sky. The Dragon King! He roared with terrible fury and the pond began to change. The water swirled and churned before me, becoming dark and clouded. The face of a man formed in the middle of the vortex. 
He laughed maniacally. <laughs> then, black smoke shot out of the pond and came straight for me. At that very moment, Zell caught and intercepted the black smoke, shielding me from the attack. Despite not taking the brunt of the attack, it felt like a shockwave. I fell backward and hit my head on the rock surface beneath me. My vision swam and I felt like I was going to faint. I managed to roll onto my side to look for Zell. Things were starting to get blurry, but I could see something was wrong with Zell. The raven struggled with the black smoke, his body twitching and convulsing as if trying not to give in to something, until finally he lay still. He started transforming into the image of a man. The man wore a black suit with a long coat. I couldn't make out distinct features, but his dark hair was swept back in a ponytail. I looked up at him, trying to stay conscious. I told you I couldn't be defeated. What have you done with Zell? You were foolish to believe you could stop me. Even if you have managed to interrupt my progress in Ortica, I wish to thank you for opening a passage to Earth for me. With this, I will spare your life for now. No. Oh, yes. Once I regain sufficient energy, I shall return for you, Skycaller. I couldn't fight it any longer. I was passing out. And just as my eyes were beginning to close, I witnessed Zhang Rune transform into the shape of a raven and fly away. I woke to the sensation of something pecking my face. I opened my eyes and a little grey bird was standing on my forehead. The bird cocked its head from left to right, as if trying to make a decision, and pecked my face again. Ouch! Quit it! Meredith sends a message. She says it's time to come home. Grandpa's on his way. I looked up at the ceiling and realized it was daylight outside. What time is it? Warm time. Morning? Okay, I'll head back soon. There's something I need to do before I leave. The bird nodded her head and flew away through the hole. Once the bird was gone, I looked around the cave for Zell. He was nowhere to be found. The raven, Zell, sacrificed his life to save me. If he hadn't jumped in front of the black smoke, then it would have been me who would have become possessed. My heart was heavy. I silently gave thanks and promised to protect this place. Hopefully Meredith would know what to do. I still felt lightheaded from all the things I'd been through in the past few hours. But I was glad to be alive. Now I had to check on Hobbs before I could go back to Meredith's house. I approached the pond and asked it to bring me to him. He was in a small tribal village. People and wolves coexisted peacefully here, and nearly all of them bore red markings on their skin and fur. Those that didn't looked like refugees. I immediately knew where he was. This had to be Nova's village. I spotted Nova, with Ghetto still perched on her shoulder, tending to the sick and wounded. When she was finished, she got up and walked over to where Hobbs was sitting among a circle of tribal people and wolves. Hobbs, you're alive! Hobbs stood up and actually smiled. Skycaller! A chain reaction caused everyone to turn their attention towards the troll. Everyone fell silent, including Nova. They all waited expectantly to hear the herald of the Skycaller carry forth his message. What happened? Last I saw you, you were lying unconscious on a hill. The last thing I remember is staring at the Dragon King as he got swallowed up by magma. The next thing I know, Nova's washing my face in a hut. I brought the villagers here like you asked, mighty Skycaller. After it began to rain and Mount Atsala fell to the ground, we set out to investigate. 
The valley was teeming with new life. The dragons had been put back to rest. We found your chosen one lying unconscious among a bed of mushrooms. Nova and the entire wolf tribe knelt down and bowed their heads to Hobbes. Forgive me for doubting you. You are a true hero of Vortica. The wolf tribe will tell the story of the dragon king and the skycaller's troll until the world crumbles to dust. Three cheers for the skycaller and the ugly one! Without them we would have been toast! A great cheer went up in honor of Hobbes and the skycaller, bane of the dragon king. I let Hobbes savor his moment of glory. It felt really good that Hobbes found a place where he was valued and loved. A hero even. The troll's life would never be the same again. I hope this would mark the beginning of his happiness. Shortly after the celebration, Hobbes was able to escape the mob of people eagerly wanting to thank him for his courage and bravery. I seized the opportunity to talk to him once I had the chance. We did it, Hobbes! What are you talking about? You did everything! Hobbes, it's time for me to leave. But first I need to talk about my promise to you. You're leaving? But what about my people? I know. I wish I could stay and help, but I don't have much time left. My promise still stands, and I won't forget about it. I'll come back again next year to deliver on it. So wait one year for my return. You'll be safe here with Nova. Okay, one year. But you better not keep me waiting. And I expect a good stew. That's a promise. Um, it's Rust. If you still want to know. What? My name. You asked me it when we first met in the Shadow Marsh. It's Rust. Well, Rust, this is definitely a friendship I'll never forget. Hobbes genuinely smiled for the second time since I had met him and nodded his farewell. I stood up and looked at Hobbes one last time, then walked away from the pond for an entire year. You made it. Thanks for the message. So, did you save him? Hobbes? The troll, yes. Yeah, I did. But... Zell, he... I know. But how? Because you're the newest keeper. I saw it on you when you approached me just now. What do you mean? It's kind of an aura that's been placed on you. Once you've been here long enough, you'll understand what I mean. But Zell, is he... Dead. Afraid so. I explained everything to Meredith. It's all my fault. No, it's not. Zell understood his responsibilities and performed his duties well. His sacrifice will not go in vain. I got him killed. And what about Zhang Rune? He's out there somewhere. Zell wouldn't have sacrificed his life if he didn't believe his responsibilities would be placed in good hands. Whoever this Zhang Rune character is, he sounds like trouble. So we'll have to remain vigilant. I want to come back here again next year. There's still some things I need to finish. I wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, I expect you to be here a lot more now that you're the new keeper. You've gained much responsibility, and oh, before I forget, you inspired me to do a little more digging around the house since you arrived. Remember how I told you about my uncle's princess? What about it? Well, it turns out he was telling the truth after all. Have a look. Meredith handed me an old faded picture. In it was a man wearing old-looking clothes sitting beside one of the most exotic women I have ever seen. Her face had a timeless beauty about it, like her natural aging process had been paused. There was something about her I couldn't quite put my finger on. Who was your uncle's wife running from? Who knows? But whoever it was frightened her enough to cross dimensions. A car horn sounded, and Grandpa drove into the yard. For now, we'd have to leave that line of conversation for another time. It was time to go home. 
I'm back. Yeah, where have you been? I thought you'd abandoned me for good this time. Thank God for George here, or else I really might have. It took a long time to get to the main road, and twice as long for someone to drive by and pick me up. Anyway, George here has come to fix our car, and then we'll be on our way. Did anything exciting happen while I was gone? Meredith and I looked at each other and shared a knowing smile. Yeah, something totally out of this world. One year later, Nova and the entire wolf tribe, with Ghetto perched on her shoulder, led by a figure hidden under a dark cloak, entered the audience chamber of King Aldrin of Faramir. During the last year, Faramir City had become a victim of multiple assaults. When the Dragon King spread his plague, they were quickly overrun by the infected and fought vigorously to exterminate them. People from surrounding villages who had been infected by the dragon's plague had congregated toward the great elven city due to its central position in the kingdom. It wasn't long before Faramir was completely overwhelmed, but in the end, the elves had proven victorious and worked towards healing from all they had suffered from. Along with the extermination of the infected, so did it seem the dragons had returned to their slumber, hidden away deep within the recesses of the earth. Unfortunately for them, the barbarians of the West took advantage of their weakened state and launched an assault of their own. It was another bloody battle, both sides suffering many casualties. However, yet again, the elves proved their worth and defeated the barbarians, causing them to retreat and return home. This is why the king had allowed for the wolf tribe to present themselves before him, even if they had not appeared to help during the battles, as he had denied them aid in the beginning. At least now they've shown up during the city's greatest time of need. The king welcomed them in hopes of extra protection. His army had suffered greatly. Faramir would need the extra warriors in case another threat revealed itself any time soon. For this reason alone, if she chose to help, the king would forgive Nova for her past transgressions against the kingdom. Greetings, King Eldrin. Nova, leader of the wolf tribe. I should have you arrested immediately for what you caused a year ago. My former advisor and guards have suffered greatly. I understand, and if you wish to arrest me, then I encourage you to try. <clears throat> In light of recent events, I will absolve you of your crimes under certain conditions. We are in need of able warriors. Have you come to pledge your service? No. And who are you? Hobbes removed his hood. The king and all his guards stood and drew their weapons. Hold it! At that moment, Nova and every person in the wolf tribe suddenly transformed into great white wolves. The king took a step back at the sight of the sheer number of ferocious-looking wolves ready to snap their jaws over his head. What is the meaning of this? One year ago, I gave you the chance to release my people from slavery. You declined. Now I've returned. And this time, it's not a request. Hobbs motioned his hand, and the entire chamber shook violently, causing every elf inside to struggle to keep their balance. Or else this entire palace is coming down. He's crazy. He'll do it. This is preposterous. Guards, seize them. All right. You asked for it. Howling Stormquake! The room once again shook and trembled as an earthquake rattled them. Three of the six pillars holding the roof cracked, sending pieces of stone tumbling below. Upon seeing his chamber falling apart, the king pleaded with Hobbes to stop. The trembling ceased. 
I do not know how you command this power, but we have suffered too much. You have your wish. Take your people and leave. If you come looking for us, you'll be sorry. You have my word. Just go. Hobbes sent a silent thanks to the sky. Then he and his allies turned and left, ready to give his people a new life. Thanks for listening to part one of the Tales of Ortica. All roles were voiced by my wife and I, Scott and Carly Jimmo. Intro and outro music is called Learn to Fly and produced by Josh Woodward. I've been a huge fan of his for years and I highly recommend checking out his website at joshwoodward.com. His library is enormous. This has been the Tales of Ortica. <laughs>